Welcome to the Conditional Release Program, a podcast that delves into the netherworld of cults, crims, and con artists. We don't like these people in its shows. We believe the best way to expose them is to hold them up to a hush light, point our index fingers in their general direction, and mock them mercilessly, take them down a peg or two until they cease to exist in any other form than the shit on our shoes. I'm Jack the Insider, otherwise known as Peter Hoisted for tax purposes. And I'm Joel Hill, and this week we have a huge treat for you. Huge. Interview with Tom Tanneke. This has been a long time coming. We've wanted him on for ages, but it was worth the wait. It's an absolute cracker. Yes, Joel, it's an excellent interview, which reveals some very interesting information about craggy Pete Evans and his little Sonorad mishap. Tune in to find out, listeners. Yes, and in other news, it seems like Putin's decided to go for a bit of a walk outside the playpen. He has. A little bit of casual expansion, a little bit of casual adventurism. Never heard anybody, he reckons. And the old Soviet Union was never disbanded. It was just taking a bit of a break. Time to get the band back together. Yep, that's happening. And, of course, the whole thing is just a vague cover to dismantle the deep state. Oh, yes, this is an example of 5D chess from Trump and Putin to strike at the heart of the corrupt politicians, or the ones they don't like, and a bunch of random Jews like George Soros. You know, the usual, right? Yeah, and we will jump straight into this, as it's a big fucking story, and it's about to get blasted open wide in the Conditional Release Program's weekly news. <laughs> In news that is occupying the consciousness of everyone across the world, the Russian invasion of Ukraine has continued into the third day as of the date of recording, the 27th of February. It's not the job of the Conditional Release Program to report on the day-to-day events, but at this stage, the invasion has cut deep into the eastern Ukraine provinces of Donetsk and Lubusk and has taken down the strategic placements across Ukraine and blockaded the Black Sea city of Odessa. Now, the Russians hold a significant advantage in the air, if not total control. Elsewhere, we are deep in the fog of war. The attack on Kiev fell short of Russian objectives after the second night with electricity and the internet still on in the city. Now, these are early days, but one must wonder if Russia under Putin has the stomach for a protracted house-to-house battle in Kiev. The invasion may yet be successful, but what then of the second stage? Occupation. How will Russia occupy a state the size of New South Wales, the second largest country and land area in Europe after Russia, when it is so deeply destroyed? Despised. And history is littered with similar examples of aggressors, invaders, being sent home with their tails between their legs. And the old Soviets like Putin will remember with a shiver what happened after its invasion of Afghanistan. And we will wait and see, openly acknowledging that truth is the first casualty of war. And one such is the Ukrainian so-called ghost pilot who is said to have shot down six Russian aircraft in his MiG-27. It's almost certainly a piece of Ukraine propaganda. And photos of the ghost have been doctored or ripped off from other conflicts including one image that was lifted from a computer game. Oh, yeah, and we're going to see a ton of this from both sides. I mean, the disinformation machine is absolutely alive and well, and you just can't trust fucking anything that's coming out of this conflict. Yeah, look, the BBC did report that a a whole lot of photographs that have been published on Twitter and elsewhere uh, have been you know, lifted from somewhere else. Yeah, it's and, bullshit. Uh, and Twitter's actually been pretty good on cracking down on it. But yeah, that's good. elsewhere on social media, hard. you know, there's just going to be a lot of disinformation. So much. But one story that has emerged that we can confirm is true. On Snake Island off the Romanian and Ukraine border, 13 Ukraine guards there were ordered by a Russian destroyer to disarm and surrender. One of the 13 guards was heard asking his commanding officer, should I tell them to go fuck themselves? <laughs> His commanding officer said, wait a minute, I'll just turn the volume up. And so the response was, Russian warship, go fuck yourself. Brilliant. 
Brilliant. <laughs> the destroyer commenced artillery fire oh. and a landing party from a Russian patrol boat mopped up. Yeah. All 13 Ukrainian guards were shot dead. That sucks. It was an extraordinary act of courage and defiance and has become a rallying cry for the people of Ukraine. Russian warship, go fuck yourselves. Go fuck yourselves. It really has been all over Twitter and it's been quite – I didn't actually know that story. I love it. Oh, it's very sad. Yeah, been confirmed. Been confirmed through TASS, which is a Russian news agency. Been confirmed yeah. – uh, well, it was a live taken of the, the first shelling of the island yeah. by one of the 13 Ukrainian guards and audio was taken of it. So that one we can put in the bank. You can't believe anything except for what we tell you. So <laughs> another <laughs> unlikely player, Anonymous, has shut down Russian government websites with DDoS attacks and just exploiting unpatched vulnerabilities in their clunky old shitty servers. Well done. Run your updates, idiots. Anonymous reported they'd actually hacked every state-run TV channel and simulcast this pro-Ukrainian video sequence. And there were these videos from Russia with showing flicking through the channels. All of the channels were showing this basically like pro-Ukraine propaganda video. So it's going to be very interesting to see what role Anonymous has in the conflict. I mean, they're so used to fucking with America and then running from the law and being terrified, but now they're being glorified as heroes. So I think they're going to become a real thorn in Putin's side. It's going to be interesting to see what they get up to. Yeah, look, while the uh, EU dithered on sanctions and sleepy Joe Biden did his best to herd those cats into agreeing to really hard sanctions, yeah. sanctions that will bite inevitably. Ironically, Anonymous did more than Europe has for now. <laughs> That's it. Now, Russia is at world's best practice in terms of propaganda. I mean, they are world leaders. Yeah. Before being hacked, TASS was com- claiming Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky had agreed to peace talks with Putin, but that was straight out bullshit. Yeah. Russia has been telling its people the invasion was unfortunate but necessary in order to demilitarize and denazify. Ukraine. Yeah, this denazify Ukraine line is pretty fucking ridiculous. If you consider the fact that president is Jewish and won like 70% of the vote and like the far right party got something like 2.5%. It's such horse shit. And this is one of the things that the Aussie Cossack has been pushing really hard, which is also very funny because he has mates in Golden Dawn. He loves Nazis. He's a figurehead in a movement that's full of fucking Nazis and he's done nothing to denazify his own fucking issues. So Maybe his next move is to invade Albury, occupy the border territory, and denazify the Southern Tablelands Proud Boys. But something <laughs> tells me uh, that's not on the cards. I don't know why. What yeah, probably maybe, not. Maybe you're all mates. When it comes to ridiculous conspiracy theories about the invasion, cookers have predictably jumped right on board. Oh, yeah. Putin was a white hat, saving stolen children in tunnels mm-hmm. deep below the Earth's surface in Ukraine. Yep. Other right-wing stooges declared Russia was removing US bio labs from Ukraine when None actually exists. Surprise, surprise. None. In Sydney, the Aussie Cossack, the aforementioned Aussie Cossack, Simeon Boykov, led a cricket team of protesters or supporters, I guess you'd call them, yeah. outside the Russian consulate. While Ukrainian Australians protested around the country in numbers, the cookers would have killed for, at least in Canberra. <laughs> I reckon 5,000 protesters in Sydney alone were came out in support of uh, of Ukraine. Well, yeah, I wouldn't say killed for, though. I would say they denazify for, because that's what we're calling <laughs> death now, denazifying. Oh, they, they, they would denazify for 5,000 yeah, protesters I'll tell you what, in Canberra If right you now. denazified the crew that Boykov was with, I think you'd wind up with a wicket keeper. The whole video of Boykov doing his usual shit-stirring emerged, his whole denazification theory, 
Gregory is showing up all over Twitter and Facebook from people who clearly follow his fucking YouTube and Telegram groups. And while he hasn't taken the full-on sort of QAnon-style take on the invasion with the white hats and the blah, blah, Ricardo Bozzi loves his white hats and he's employed that sort of Q-style language because he loves his Michael Flynn wannabe. He's been saying that, you know, Putin's the white hat, it's a purge of the deep state and running with that line. I suppose it's uh, worthwhile telling our listeners now that uh, Simeon Boykoff has threatened to sue uh, uh, your humble, yeah. <laughs> your, your, humble per, your humble Jack the Insider, yeah. uh, threatened to sue after a column I wrote on Friday. Now we're still waiting for the Anthony Kalouf legal action, uh, uh, yep. so yep. we'll we'll set the scoreboard uh, or the, the the tally for, for Simeon Boykoff. Two days and waiting for the writ, Simeon. Yeah, yeah, I think you should get on with it because I can't imagine you doing empty threats to just give your idiot followers legal bonus. You, you're above that, aren't you, mate? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> So idiots like Pete Evans have fallen straight for this line, as we will discuss later. But the basic story is, you know, as Jack said, they're purging Ukraine of deep state cabal assets and saving the kiddies from this big trafficking hub. These Q drops from the past are being recycled with these vague allusions to Russia. And they're treated like prophecy because the Q drops actually don't mean anything. So they just post them and like, oh, look, Q, Q. Yeah, it's so cringy. The entire thing is just cringy as fuck. But we will keep you posted on this sort of absurd shit they're coming up with and the mental gymnastics they do to get there. While it is infuriating to watch this play out and it's giving me a fucking second hernia, I think it will be interesting to see who is pushing this bizarre propaganda and why. And I'm thinking that maybe we might need to get Hamilton Hume on the case again. Yes, yes, we may well. In fact, we've got Hamilton coming up. But uh, now we we want to take a look at the various convoys around the world that continue continue to give cookers a sense of purpose and a convenient way to spend their weekends yelling pedophile at buildings. That's right. Uh, We are going to look at Canada in more detail next week as we do have Daniel Morrison coming on, Hamilton Hume, on the show to talk about the dark money behind the chaos in Ottawa. As for Canberra, well, they're still down there. Kind of. Yeah, kind of. I mean, asterisk. So there are some campsites being set up which resemble the sort of communes of a death cult. But we we all saw that coming to an extent. I mean, they had a protest this weekend. There were dopey speeches by clout-chasing idiots. Smoke and Joe got absolutely owned by Michael Sims. I'm going to play that clip for you on the outro. Stick around for that. They yelled pedophile a lot. Pedophile! You know, they like that. And if you want to know more about this, honestly, hit up Twitter because we don't have time for it. There is a wealth of information from some really good accounts. They've curated videos. There's lots of tweets. But it's far as we're concerned on the conditional release program we think this is in the boring phase but if something funny does happen we will let you know it's definitely boring you know Ugh. they've got just a handful of protests it's, it's really a bit sad it's very and, and has got, got that whiff of the death cult about it it does you know it's just sort of weird and sad so look we, we, we do have a couple of funny things happening here with the convoys and the funniest thing at this point is that continuing belief that the government are using radiation weapons on the crowds and this has sparked this incredible reaction in Canberra and also New Zealand cookers they're believing that a bit of sunburn because bro you don't have an ozone layer hey bro and COVID <laughs> you know cough cough it's been on the news bro is of course radiation poisoning from secret weapons secret weapons fucking hell so how of course would you repel these 5G death rays I mean in lieu of Shanghai Tin foil, simple, yeah. easily available, cheap. It's great. And I wish I was kidding, but the cookers are actually covering themselves in tin foil, which is great on it, several. It's levels. supposed to be a joke. I mean, wearing a tin foil hat yeah, was always a joke. That you were a, a fucking cooker and an idiot. Yeah, 
it's and now they've done it. It is they've actually taken that joke into reality. It is quite pathetic. And look, some people were getting creative in Canberra. They were using those big shiny bubble wrap packaging things <laughs> that when you get like you know delivered cold food that keeps keeps it insulated. But yeah. now they're just insulating their organs from the government. Ooh. In New Zealand, cookers are making actual tinfoil hats, and this was heavily disputed by some head cookers from the protest. I've movement. seen the photos, Joe. Yeah, and look, they they showed this selective footage saying there's no tinfoil hats to be seen. Very ruction vibes on that but of course Mm. this is in direct conflict with reporters on the ground having reports of not only seeing tinfoil hats and making taking photos of these people but also people reporting to have foil blankets inside the tent now that sounds like a lucrative fucking market yeah but that's when they'll get you when you're asleep yes exactly so you need those foil blankets 100 yep you've got to get them and they're only 60 bucks each sleeping bag up just a 40,000 percent markup so while it is unclear as to whether the tinfoil hats were a joke and we don't know that or maybe a fashion statement or just actual paranoia which is incredibly likely the funny thing is is that the tinfoil itself is the fucking lrad as we discussed (laughs) last episode it's not an lrad it's the sun and the harshness of these burns that result in these blisters and this horror are likely from these harsh UV reflections from shiny surfaces. So how are you going to fix this problem? You're going to fill the crowd with shiny reflective surfaces. (laughs) Which means if you're not wearing your tinfoil hat, you're just going to get you're going to turn into a chip. It's going to get sizzled. You are once again a fucking ant under a magnifying glass. Yeah, it looks like the LRAD symptoms are going to get worse, guys. You have become the LRAD. Well done, everybody. Well done, cookers. everything you swore to defeat, you fucking idiots. Anyway, I find that very funny. So the New Zealand convoy, which has reached day 20 as of the yep. 27th. God, we haven't been following this at all. It sounds really funny, but we'll hopefully get someone on to explain it to us because it's a lot to unpack. They're facing similar problems to the one in Canberra with overflowing porta potties. Uh-oh. and a shitload, no pun intended, of COVID symptoms. Well, you did mean that. You did intend that. No, job. I didn't. I actually saw that on the read-through of the script and I put no pun intended because I did not intend that. That was you an accident. You did intend that. Yeah, well, I like it's it It's anyway. just a shit joke. It was, shit. It, was, it was pretty good. I like it. So it's not COVID, of course. It's the LRAD. But damn similar to COVID. You know, it's it's the same symptoms. So one source of this EMF radiation they're talking about was apparently the surveillance cameras installed at the nearby Anglican Cathedral of St. Paul, (laughs) where cookers sent a letter outlining a plan to search for and remove said devices as they believed, and this is great, that they were causing... COVID-like symptoms and bad moods. Bad moods? Bad oh, moods. No. It's just it's just COVID. It's, it's not COVID. COVID-like symptoms. It's COVID. It's COVID. COVID in the sun. It's fucking That's COVID. It. God damn it. So, and like, I love how they send a letter outlining a plan. They don't ask. <laughs> they just tell. They're just like, <laughs> we are going to remove your cameras and there'll be no consequences because the yeah, police are terrified of us. deep status in the Anglican church. Oh, um, fucking hell. So, look, another source of this harmful EMF is the concrete blocks that have been set down to control the crowd. Yeah. How do they know this? They've got these little EMF meters they have no idea how to use <laughs> and they're often live streaming as they yeah, use I've them. Yeah, oh, I've what, seen it. Oh, what is that spike? Oh, my phone seems to be, yes, it's your phone, idiot. That's where the EMF's <laughs> coming from. You fucking dopes. So, look, addressing the sickness issues was Brad Flutie, apparently a, a prominent anti-vaxxer and leader of the protest. I don't know any New Zealand cookers, so I'm taking this for a word. But 
In a podcast recorded on Thursday, Flutie clarified his comments about illness at the camp. He said people weren't really sick as he'd initially claimed, but just sick. Okay. Oh, cool. Not cool. really sick. Cool, cool fix there. And he denied protesters had contracted coronavirus, but again admitted some were struggling with flu-like symptoms. That's mm. COVID! Well, yeah, what else? Yeah, what, what could it be, these flu-like symptoms? I just don't know. But the great thing is that he himself had left the protest for eight hours after feeling ill. <laughs> so he, he went and had a break and then came back to infect people. You know, have a, have a nap and then give everyone else fucking COVID. Yeah. So this is a quote from him which absolutely tickled me. Let's call it what it is. Flu-like symptoms. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know what it is unless you are dumb enough to get a test. That's yeah. that's COVID. It's COVID. Yeah. It's COVID. Yeah. Fucking if COVID. You get, if you get the test, you know they're going to put the microchips into you. Then you know exactly. Yeah, you can't you can't comply, bro. So just like in Ottawa and in Canberra, Wellingtonians have had enough of this bullshit. Change.org petition got about 140,000 signatures and counting. And one of the concrete barriers was spray painted with "Selfish cunts ahead." Yeah. <laughs> That's right, right? Yes, the cookers are clearly not winning hearts and minds. But as they say, if it's not on Telegram, it doesn't exist. Uh, the Ministry of Health reports that a number of people from the Parliament protest were seen at Wellington Hospital for a number of reasons. A number of COVID reasons. COVID reasons. Cholera reasons. COVID and cholera. COVID and cholera and sunburn. Idiots. <laughs> While there is a cooker convoy happening in the USA, we are going to wait until it's funny. I don't really know what's happening there. And we've had so much to look at. But Yeah, about 40 trucks have left California, as I understand it, Joel. Yeah, I mean, like... And they'll they- pick up a few along the way. If they're funny... Great. I mean, I heard that a lot of them were stopping in Arizona and not going any further. I don't see the point no. of that. But look, what I will say here is there is a death cult forming in Canberra and our Kiwi mates are protected with ample amounts of kitchen items. They're going to be okay. They're going to be <laughs> okay. No, not glad rap. Not glad rap. We no. want foil. We need foil. It's so much more effective. Money. I'll do anything for you. Money. Just tell me what you want me to. And today's condition release program is proudly brought to you by Mike Lindell's My Pillow Company, who can cater to all your sleeping needs, pillows, Manchester, and even replace that old sketchy mattress that's had one shot too many of bodily fluids, urine, semen, and blood. I just hope it's mainly urine. Yeah. You know, we've said a lot of bad things about Mike Lindell on this program, but in the interest of peace, harmony, and not getting all hung up on who actually won the 2020 presidential election, <laughs> let's face it, we all know the Trumps that was robbed, oh, yeah. Mike reached out to us and said, hey, you know, guys, let's smoke a peace pipe. At least I think it was a peace pipe. All I know is I was up for the next 72 hours and couldn't stop talking and itching the invisible worms that keep poking out of my skin. Damn yeah. these worms. Sorry, Joe, I've just got a scratch. God damn it's itchy. <laughs> Fuck. If only I could get a belt sander on my forearms and give them a damn good rubbing. That's one way of fixing it. Oh, but it seems to have passed now. And all I want to do is masturbate nonstop for the next 18 hours. <laughs> Listeners, if you crave a good night's sleep, come on down to any one of my pillow stockists. Obviously, not Dollar General, Shop HQ, Mattress Firm, Coles, Kroger, BJ's, Wayfair, Bed Bath and Beyond, Finger Hut, Kinney Drugs, Colony Brands, Chewy.com, JC Pennies, or Costco, because all those bastards refuse to stock Mike's gear these days. Maybe get on the internet, all the kids are talking about, and order all your sleeping needs direct from Mike, who right now is standing over a sleep well king-size mattress and matching 100% cotton sheet ensemble in gunmetal grey, masturbating non-stop for the next 24 hours. <laughs> Ask for it by name, listeners. My pillow, Mike and the Conditional Release Program, we smoke them peace pipe. <laughs> 
think one of the first things it says within the constitution is all laws within all within and with the soothing sounds of constitutional virtuoso, Thanos the Manos Paniedi is gently lapping up against our tympanic membranes. It means it's time for which black bill fuckwit said that? The segment of the conditional release program where you, dear listeners, can sit at home with pencil in hand and play along and answer which black bill fuckwit said that? And if you're successful today in which Black Bill Fuckwit said that, Joel, you'll become the proud owner of the set of gunmetal grey 100% cotton bed sheets, one fitted sheet, a top flat top sheet, and two pillowcases that Mike Lindell has just masturbated on. Yay. I've got to tell you, Joel, that gunmetal grey really shows up the stains. It looks like Mike's been <laughs> whipping up a pavlova on the fitted sheet. Oh, and truth Lord. be told, he has been going on stuff for 12 hours. And it could all be yours today. Oh, good. Oh, good. And uh, we thank our listener Tom for this very first quote on which Black Bill Fuckwit said that. I cannot give the location out, and it is no joke. I just confirmed with them, that is the helicopter company, and yes, this is the plan. We have the helicopter confirmed, but we are moving the time up to 11 a.m. Was that trying to get more LRADs down to Epic to annoy Dave O'Neill, head of the AFP, Reese Kershaw? Trying to airlift thousands of quality pillows to the brave truck drivers in Canada fighting for freedom when he's not masturbating nonstop, Mike Lindell? Or was it trying to airlift himself and a red ensign to the Canberra Cooker Fest, Craig Kelly? <laughs> Still trying to get himself a new TV delivered, but Australia Post smashed it en route. Thanos Panayides. Well, look, I I love the idea of Craig Kelly hanging off one of those helicopter ladders <laughs> with a red ensign and the just la- looking. The, the last man out of Saigon. It's usually not someone of his stature who does something like that. Anyway, yeah, he's going to flip it. Mm. Don't want to fat shame him. That's just rude, but I'd also do. Uh, it's got to be Mike Lindell. <laughs> Yes. Oh, well spotted. Who yes, else can we- get a helicopter from that group of idiots? I mean, Reese Kershaw wouldn't speak like that. I mean, <laughs> I almost went with Reese Kershaw because I'm like, who has access to a helicopter? There are all the rich meth head. Rich He's got it. Meth- and we were contractually obliged to include Mike Lindell in the questions today. So, of course. Um, in order for him to continue to supply us with masturbated upon uh, bed sheets. Nothing's free, mate. No free lunches That's here. That's right. That's right. So, well done. Uh, you're well on the way here. And now we go to quote two. At this point, NATO exists primarily to torment Vladimir Putin, who, whatever his many faults are, has no intention of invading Western Europe. Okay. Was that senior reporter at Russia news agency TASS, Irina Yakovleva, or was it a man with a powerful hankering to own his very own mink Yushanka, Tucker Carlson? Oh, God. It's him. Or was it writing what the ABC calls an analysis piece last Friday, February the 23rd, but it's really just half-sucked opinion, where he described Putin's invasion as a battle for Russian identity? Stan Grant. Ah, interesting. Or was it sniggering at Ukrainian President uh, Zelensky's plea for peace while interviewing the 45th POTUS, Donny J. Laura Ingraham. Ah, I'm finding this to be really difficult, and I think I'm wrong, but Tucker Carlson. <laughs> yes. Well done. The angry nature of the Stan Grant option just made me feel like it was Stan Grant because you clearly got a bone to pick. Oh, look, the piece, it was, like I said, it was an op-ed piece, you know, that, that was trying to sort of provide some sort of motivation or justification for the invasion. Interesting. It came down to, according to Stan Grant, you know, a okay. battle for Russia's identity. Wow. Ukraine is not Russian. 
Let's just yep. get that sorted straight away. Well, not now. <laughs> well, it soon will. It soon will be again. But but yeah, um, Let's yeah. See how long? Um, for. Yeah, it was really annoying. Really annoying piece from Stan Grant, who can do better. Yeah. Uh, yes, it was. In fact, uh, T- Tucker Carlson, who has he's done a bit of a backflip in uh, in the last few days since the invasion, and not quite so pro Putin. And, th- <laughs> and this was a comment that he made some weeks ago. Uh, Oopsie doozies. Just. just so pro-Putin, it's not funny. He backed off a little bit now, otherwise the CIA might be giving a bit of a tap on the shoulder <laughs> and talking about the Farah Act. That's a tap you don't want. Yeah, it's the sort of tap you don't want, and he probably would struggle not to lie to the FBI, which is a criminal <laughs> offence in itself. All right. Oh, better let Liz know those sheets with, that looks like uh, it looks like Mike's made a Pavlova on are on their way to you. Um, well, the, I, I, we've, we've talked about this and things like this aren't cheating as long as they're on our list. And when we got together, I made sure that Mike Lindell was on my list of exceptions. So anything sexual to with Mike Lindell is actually fair game. So I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I'm a thinker. Well, he's still going. We're, in, we're into our 17 now and he's still going. <laughs> well, he's still yeah. flogging himself there. That's that's how you make All it good. Right. Got to have really put the wrist into it. Uh, quote three, and it's a little bit long, so bear with me, Joel. Let me tell you something you already know: the world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are; it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You and me, and nobody's going to hit as hard as light. Eh. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. And was that? Rocky Balboa, as played by Sylvester Stallone in the 2006 film Rocky Balboa? Or was that our very own Sissy Seiko, not in Zaire, now known as the De- Democratic Republic of Congo, but standing on the back of a flatbed truck in Canberra? Ricardo Bozzi, Ricky yes. Bozzi. I know this one all too well, but I must say, because of the mystery of the quote, you weren't able to say, let me tell you something you already know, and get it, really like get into that Sylvester let me, tell you, let me tell you something already you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We needed to do it that way, but that would have been too much of a giveaway. What's your answer? We'll need to hear that answer. It was Bozy and Balboa. Yeah, I guess you're right. Technically, you're right. right. Yes, it was Rocky Balboa who said it first, but... (laughs) Bozzi did it better. Ricardo Bozzi said it again, word for word or almost word for word on the back of a flatbed truck two weeks ago in So ridiculous. How do these people not realise that they are actual memes (laughs) and everyone is taking the piss out of them? You reckon most of the cookers would have watched Rocky Balboa? Oh, my God. I just... so I'm so embarrassed (laughs) for them. Just... This is who you drove to Canberra you for. You and me, and nobody's going to get hit as hard as light, but it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. What I really wish is at the end he went, I am the law. That would have just really <laughs> put a fucking cherry on that shit cake for me. Well, there you go, Ricardo. It literally you does think it's the law too. plagiarise Rocky Balboa. I am the law. Now, we ask listeners to send us an email if they've come across something really, really stupid said by black pill fuckwits, just like that one. Mm. Uh, we want your input, listeners. If you've recently come across something posted that is so odd, so bizarre, that it can only be appreciated by the criminally stupid, drop us a line. We'll send you a stubby holder, some bullshit I've got on my desk. If you make our lives easier and send Jack a quote we could use on the show, just like old Tom did. Yeah. And, of course, we remind listeners the condition release program stubby holder is the only stubby holder which is clinically proven to keep drinks cold. Clinically proven. Uh, furthermore, the condition... 
conditional release program, Stubby Holder, now features the imprimatur of Mike Lindell's My Pillow. Listeners, the conditional release program, Stubby Holder, can be used as a comfy pillow, more of a neck rest, really, and can now be purchased through any one of Mike Pillow's stockists. Obviously, not Dollar General, Shop HQ, Mattress Firm, Coles, Kroger, BJ's, Wayfair, Bed Bath and Beyond, Fingerhut, Kinney Drugs, Colony Brands, Chewy.com. JC Penney's or Costco. Ah, fuck him. We asked listeners to drop us a line if they want to contribute to which Blackpill fuckwit said that. Make sure it's marked the attention of Jack and bury the quote. Send it to our email address at program at gmail.com. And now we bring you a segment featuring people who have learned absolutely everything they read in a quick flick of a textbook on 17th century Portuguese maritime law. They're softsets and they're on a collision course with reality and a concept totally bizarre to them. Consequence. In this week's Subsets V, The Man. We fired you. We sacked you. We dismissed you as what? As garbage, because that's all you are. You're a criminal. You're a traitor. And you're going to the biggest barbecue in history. So from Christmas dinner to you are the dinner. Thank you. That's what I'll go with. And today we bring you one of our favourite Subsets, Joel. Lynn Bennett's oh, from bless. the Velvet Revolution. Now, history buffs might have already noticed that Velvet Revolution, the real Velvet Revolution, was a nationwide protest movement in Czechoslovakia in November and December 1989 that ended more than 40 years of communist rule in the country, led by the wonderful Vaclav Havel, poet, politician. Can you imagine it? How beautiful. But Lynn and her mob shamelessly appropriated the title some time after the last decade as part of her Sovsit nonsense, which initially was aimed at banning Muslims from emigrating to Australia. Now, Lynn is a Sovsit who is a little bit racist. Mm. What a lovely cocktail of blind ignorance and, and blind arrogance. Yes. Now, I, dig, I dug this up on one of her many Facebook pages. Attention! Attention to all you say attention twice because that you know <laughs> the first one just 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 as a bit of a teaser, but the second one will get your attention. Attention to all persons entering this building. The building has been lawfully seized under clause sixty one of Magna Carta what? on the insert date here. And remains seized until a lawful state and federal parliament are elected. <laughs> it doesn't even relate to sixty one. It doesn't make any fucking sense. Anyway. Yeah, there's just so much grammatical confusion there too. Oh. Further, a lawful Governor-General must be appointed along with lawful Governors. Entry to these buildings is by lawful <laughs> officers of the Crown who have sworn the lawful oath contained in the Commonwealth Constitutional Act 1900 UK and the Commonwealth Constitution 1901 as proclaimed and consented. All other entry is trespass and you, all in caps, will be prosecuted by order of the people who are the Commonwealth of Australia. That read so much like a People's Treaty entry. So many capitals in wrong spaces. Like, <laughs> so much just to unpack. It's just really such a, a bad a, piece of writing. Really has a lot of trouble so with singular and plural forms, doesn't she, poor old Lynn? Meaningless. Meaningless. Oh. She must have been on the gaspers in primary school. Out the back having a gasp, but when uh, when they were teaching <laughs> when they were teaching singulars and plurals to them, because she just doesn't seem to grasp that at all. Maybe she's been sharing durries with Mike Lindell. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell! <laughs> On the pipe. Look, by that means, Lynn and the gang have been issuing eviction notices, cease and desist notices, and arrest warrants for Australia's governors and governors general for much of the last decade. And back then, about the terrifying prospect of people practising their own religion in Australia. But when the pandemic came along, 
Lynn simply shifted the nature of her enemies from people who followed Islam to state and federal governments charged with pandemic management and started issuing notices to, to her followers to get amongst it and start arresting people, start getting those eviction notices in. So now... Get it done. Yeah, now we have announcements like this. The Velvet Revolution March, uniting all Australians, with an apostrophe for some reason. Yeah, uniting all Australians except the ones we're going to hang. To lawfully and constitutionally, one, remove all sitting members from Parliament, two, restore the Constitution Act 1900, UK in parentheses, that means it was an English or British Act, and three, reinstate citizen-initiated referendums on all, in caps, major issues affecting the people of Australia. And uh, they were going to meet at the Anzac Square in Brisbane in the city and march to Parliament House. Please arrive by 9am if you would like to purchase some merchandise for the march. <laughs> T-shirts, 33 bucks and badges, 5 bucks. Bring water and a hat. Wear anything Australian. Made in China is fine. Don't worry about it. Just as no, long as not, it looks checking. Australian. We're not going to check that. No. And that's Lynn's message these days. Australia's constitution is invalid. We're going to arrest duly elected members of state and federal parliaments. Wear a hat. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and the happy okay. band haven't run up against the man in the courts yet, but they have hassled security outside vice regal buildings. Yes. On one such occasion outside the Victorian governor's residence in Melbourne, Lynn and the gang issued eviction notices to the governor, Linda DeSalle. Lynn told the puzzled security guard at the gate, we're issuing 24 hours notice for the governor general to remove myself from the building or face the consequences. Reminded by one of her followers that they were at the Victorian governor's residence and not the governor general's joint in Yarralumla, she replied, oh, sorry. Well, him too. Him too, yeah, yeah, yeah. Him Cover too. Cases. Yeah. What happened 24 hours later? Did the unlawfully appointed not Governor Linda DeSauer pack her bags and flee? Predictably, no. no. And as yet, Lynn Bennett has not been able to evict any governors on the None. east coast of Australia or him too, the Governor-General David Hurley, despite Lynn deputising a small coterie of sheriffs to get the job done. People who have actually gone to toy stores and bought sheriff badges and stuck them to T-shirts. I wish I was fucking kidding. <laughs> Little badges, they actually do wear badges. They have the polo shirts, the polo shirt of authority. Yeah, but they- yeah. But they do have the little badges as well. Actually buying them. That they're bought from fucking toy shops. It's just, oh. Oh, God. I wonder if they get those little cap guns as well. You know, know, a little hat. Sheriff's hat. Bring a hat. Got to bring a hat. It's all very Wayne Glue. And unsurprisingly, Lynn and her sausage gang from uh, the Velvet Revolution have gone extremely quiet since the big fella, the snapping turtle, was arrested and charged with incite to deprive the liberty of WA State Premier Mark McGowan and the people charged with protecting him. Wayne has, uh, was bailed to uh, reappear in March, and so now he's back living in a van down by the river <laughs> at his sister's place. But That's since then, we haven't heard a peep from Lynn on the socials or on the streets. Yeah. They've asked for money recently, but that's about it. Yeah, she hasn't really turned up and done anything at all, which is a very <laughs> I think uh, I think the Snapping Turtles arrest has really put the wind up. Oh, yeah. When it comes to the soft-sit Velvet Revolution leader, creepy old racist Lynn Bennett's V the man, we're going to call it a nil-all draw. 
Yeah. But that could go up at any time when skinny nicotine-addicted Lynn, all 50 kilos of her dripping wet, tries to arrest a duly-elected MP, a governor, or the governor-general, well, him too. Yeah, him too, yeah. And now on the Conditional Release Program, we bring you one of the best-informed people in Australia on soft sits, cookers, anti-vaxxers, and, of course, the hard right. Real hard right. We're very grateful for him making the time to appear on our program, and without further ado, he is the one and only Tom Tanaki in interview with Joel. Thank you, Tom. This week on the Conditional Release Program, we are joined by the one and only Tom Tanaki, content creator and cooker watcher with a long history of activism in anti-fascist circles. Tom knows his Nazis very well and has been yelling at racist dogs or yarding for some time. So let's start off with a bit of an explanation of what yarding is and generally speak about what is your take on on the ground activism, especially when it comes to the sort of counter-protests, which just feel impossible right now. Uh, Thanks for having us on, by the way. Um, Yarding is... What is it? It's yelling. That's what it says in the packet, really, mate. It's yelling at racist dogs. So uh, yard, the year of yarding is in, was that that is the the group and the strategy that was invented by Sean Bedlam and I back in late two thousand and seventeen. Well, it came out of an era where there was lots of um, uh, there were lots of high profile celebrity racists who were beginning to do the uh, touring yep. circuit. Um, yeah, okay. of, of, yeah. of different nations and, and specifically we did our first formal yarding expedition outside of a Milo Ianopoulos show yeah. and it was actually just like a bit of a turkey shoot situation. They were all standing there queuing to get into a show. We'd cut our teeth on on responding to Reclaim Australia and United Patriots front and the, yeah. the, the far-right racists of the Patriot movement in years before, which it's was scary. very aggressive rally yeah. situations. So for us to transition into these sort of weird commodified hall yeah. scenarios <laughs> where suddenly everyone thought, oh, I've got a ticket. That makes me a paying yeah. customer rather than a far-right scumbag. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, we were there to show them, no, actually, au contraire, mate, you are a far-right scumbag. <laughs> you are a piece Your of Your ticket shit. means you are one. You're coming here for to see Milo Yiannopoulos. That doesn't mean that doesn't make you any better than... Yeah. Uh, uh, than the flag-caped far-right racists. Of the- <laughs> You're not legitimized by an institution here. Yeah, yeah, yeah or by your ticket, you know. Capitalism yeah. would teach you otherwise. It's some <laughs> sanctified thing about it. We were there to scream at them otherwise. And, in fact, we were relishing in the opportunity to turn these power dynamics. We'd spent several years being told by people that we were the leftist elites looking down uh, on the white yep. working class and the patriot movement, whereas now all these rich cunts are standing in line to watch, like, yeah. you know, Lauren Southern or Miley Inopolis. They've paid hundreds of dollars, sometimes even thousands, for a VIP ticket. Yeah. And we're the scumbags out the front <laughs> in the cold. <laughs> In rags, yelling at you that you're a fucking dog. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Great turning of the tables. It's a delight to not occupy, or not to, you know, it was impossible to say that we were being elitist when we're the ones screaming horrible abuse out there at you. And indeed, that was a lot of the point of it, was to take away this power dynamic that they cherished so much uh, yeah. through the Patriot Movement, the far right, that they were representing the everyman, you know. Yeah. If you can take that away from uh, your political opponents, then you're doing pretty well. So that was just one era, mate, of, you know, what I've been doing since 2016 which is, oh, yeah, you know, like, like, like you, 
you know, like people, some people might know me for now. I do online commentary, but I show up as well where I can. Which is very different in this movement because a lot of people who do cooker watching and stuff like that, to put it sort of crudely, I hate the term cooker watching, but it is what it is. But like, yeah. you know, people were not on the ground at all. Whereas you have that unique thing where you know what it's like to be on the ground. You know the rules of engagement when it comes to activism. You know how the cops have treated certain groups. But from a very personal perspective, I think that's really valuable because a lot of this stuff about this being an activist movement with the cookers is overlooked because it's too complex to understand for some people. Yeah, and I do try to offer up some insight or There's a great video that you did. On, you yeah, know, like, yeah. That was really good. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, so my knowledge on on from an activist perspective, what you yeah. know, I, often I, I, from my perspective, I was telling, you know, sometimes communicating to the movement the things that I think that they were doing to endanger their own people, uh, you yeah. know, the anti lockdown movement, yeah. uh, by by doing or by not doing, like I, I railed against them at length all last year for never appointing any marshals or any medics or anything yeah. like that. No, and I think that was happening for a reason. There was a reason I wanted to make that insight, that 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 bit of analysis, and it it wasn't just because um, I, I think it was endangering their own people, but also I think what I was trying to say was that they weren't doing it because they were too busy just competing with each other in their influencer yeah. class to get popular. You know, that yeah. that, that was the, that comes down to the DNA of the anti-lockdown movement. I totally. And now they've got the peacemakers doing it, which is just great. they got marshals, don't worry. A Christian militia is taking good care of it. Yeah, well, you know, but here's <laughs> the thing. I mean, if they have people in control of their events and making sure that their event is a little less likely to to turn out into absolute chaos. I guess, you know, that's probably good for them and their people who are attending yeah. the event. Less anarchy know. is good. And I mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. I mean, yeah, again, we talk about the sort of the, the just looking at a movement rather than showing up to it as well. I mean, there's the other aspect is that what also, and I don't think this is too common in the field of looking at the anti-lockdown movement, the sort of growing sector of people who who pick apart live streams and put clips up and talk about what the cookers being up to lately. I don't think there's too much political analysis either. And you said the yeah. word anarchy, it made me think, well, I'm, I, I mean, I yeah. am an anarchist, really. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't That's think it. that makes me. Uh, for, I, I don't really like the term far left. I think it's funny more than anything, you know. But I am. <laughs> I, I ascribe to, when I say I'm an anarchist, I mean, I ascribe to anarchist organising as someone who is interested in in grassroots and activist politics. So I don't, when I say I'm anarchist, I'm not talking to you about what I think my dream model of government is. I don't yeah, have a yeah, dream yeah, model of it, government. Yeah. I, yeah. If anything, I think I'd rather work within the bounds of the Westminster form of democracy and, well, and, yeah. and, and the Westminster system and try and pressure governments and try and get better voting outcomes, it's if anything, you know. Yeah, 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 that is what we've got right now. What I'm saying is I'm not very good at imagining new uh, renditions or versions of government, you know what I mean? I don't want- Yeah, and neither are they. Their idea is basically put Bozy in, hang everyone, and then something good will happen. Yeah, well, <laughs> I think I'm a little bit more real world than them in that sense, but, <laughs> but I, don't, I don't, you know, but, but, I, but what, what I'm saying is that I I call myself an anarchist in the sense that like I believe in organising little autonomous cells of things. You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah, when yeah, I go it, yeah. out, as I have done with Yard and stuff over the years, we'll organise a little cell 
and that'll be of people. And we'll speak yeah. to all the other little cells or groups or what have you organising and hopefully be cordial and coordinate with them and what have yeah. you. But I believe in organising little grassroots, little localised stuff that you can be autonomous with and you can do it yourself. That yeah. is kind of anarchist stuff, you know what I mean? And none of this yeah. stuff where people think burning oil barrels and what have you when they say anarchy. Anarchy just means little grassroots autonomous cells that you organise within your local community, you know. I mean, you could you could arguably say that a lot of the what happened at the campsite at Convoy to Canberra was a little bit anarchist in its That's exactly day-to-day it, yeah. function. Or commie. I mean, they don't really want to hear that, but, you know. No, they don't, but it's very <laughs> communist. There's lots of mutual aid and stuff going on, which is exactly what people on the left talk about. And yet yeah. they're just like, it's not communism, man. We're just helping each other out. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, you know, that's good. Okay. But it's private yeah. <laughs> donations. Okay, cool. Yep, cool. Where'd they come from? But yeah, it is interesting how that sort of thing sort of manifests. I see with the sort of the um, the anarchy thing, there's just so much groundwork that needs to be underneath a sort of anarchist utopia as such, which is education, empathy, understanding, and all this kind of mutual aid type thing in some sort of way that people have truly altruistic uh, sort of goals. I just don't feel like the camp at Epic had that. I just don't think they had those base beliefs and general ideological structures that can underpin a somewhat anarchist kind of society. So it failed as far as I'm concerned. Also, there's a pandemic and there's no toilets. So, <laughs> Yeah, you know, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, there's no solid groundwork. I, when I was, yeah, I mean, when we said before, but there's like sort of anarchist seeming things about the, the constructs at the camps. I mean, it's nice that they were all feeding each other. <laughs> it was. You know, that the camp kitchens thing seemed to actually spring up in quite an effective and coordinated way. Things yeah. like that. Have the trappings of of community care about them, but then again, what is community care in, in the pandemic? You know, if I think yeah. of community care in the pandemic, I think of some of the heroic things that I saw happen in twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one around um, autonomous mutual aid efforts that sprang yeah. up in the form of really effective uh, uh, Facebook groups of people that would all go around and mm-hmm. you know drop shopping and meds off to each yep. other. They couldn't yep. leave the house and what have you during periods of lockdowns. People exactly. that I knew that would brave police threatening to arrest them and to fine them yeah, thousands of dollars yeah. just to go and drop shopping off at like they housing did, yeah. estates and the like because those people yeah. weren't being taken care of. I, I mean, you know, it was the it was the people of Cuddle, the um the communist grassroots group. And they were outside there in the main cities in Adelaide and Melbourne and Sydney and they have as they have been the whole pandemic, feeding homeless people and the yep. like and being chased out of town, out of the town square by the police <laughs> uh, uh, whilst they were doing that. These are strategies bizarre. of like genuine community care and mutual aid that I think were, they were the real heroism of the pandemic. And, yeah, and yeah, they totally weren't contributed to in any significant way by the anti-lockdown movement who were very no. much, you know, based on a hyper, you know, their fundaments are about a hyper-individualist style, yeah. you know, what about my rights? What about exactly. my ability to go to to Coles or to go to the Bottolo or to cross the state borders or so that I can go to the Bottolo over there or go on my little, you know, fishing trip over there? Very much about the the, the boundaries of their existence being interfered with yeah. by anything was not tolerable for them. Inherently selfish movement. You know, the, the, far be it for me to try and understand what's happening here <laughs> with this great geopolitical global catastrophe. No, I just don't want the bounds of my existence, which were promised to me under, like, I guess, neoliberal yeah. capitalism. You are yeah. promised that you work and then you get to go to Coles and you yeah. get to go to the bottle and you get to go to the pub and you get to yeah. go on your fishing trip. That's the 
great deal of Isn't the modern just, yeah. era. It's like you work, you earn the right to go and buy things at your favourite yeah. shops and they had that sacred pact yeah. fucked with and they could not no. accept it. They yeah, couldn't that's accept exactly it, it, you know. That's the hyper-individualist thing and that's why they can't really be left-wing in any way, I think. No, no, they really can't. Despite their accidental communism, they really do have a fundamentally individualistic thing and that comes down to, you know, things like the uh, the heads of it being grifters and stuff like that. I mean, it happens in a lot of situations but, you know, people get selfish, people get greedy but their denial of it is so sad. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. It's, totally it's so agree. see-through. So, like, look, I would say... In the last couple of months, we've had this weird sort of pivot from being the anti-lockdown, anti-vax movement into this more sort of mess of sovereign citizens uh, screaming about pedophiles, basically just protesting the status quo because they've had it drummed into their heads that really bad things are happening, which is, of course, the pedophile thing, which is, of course, the erosion of decency and things like that. Where are we going with this? Like, it feels like the start of the pivot. <laughs> we're going to hell, mate. That's where we're going. We're going to fucking really hell. Um, look, uh, I think that the advent or the, the, the advent of the increasing popularity of the soft city element is like, on one hand, you know, as, as we approach the latter, you know, the more desperate, shrill tone stages of the movement, and where the whole doomsday clock, aspect of it starts to feel yeah, more pronounced. Yeah. You know, their messages, their prophetic messages of doom and of, you know, uh, the end of the world and what have you in various yeah. different ways and of like catastrophically, of days, all that sort of thing. you know, powerful cabals and things like that. As those messages become more and more pronounced, well, and as, as their influences wind up burdened with more and more yeah. legal troubles, the real, the deep fantasists like snake oil salesmen with their whole promises of like, actually, the law isn't real. Actually, I have this other law and that's the real law. And as long as you learn these legal tricks and these verbal tricks, then you're going to get out of all that legal trouble that the AFP have intentionally yep. burdened you in so that, they can, <laughs> so that they can effectively remove you as an effective yeah. influencer within the movement. I mean, this is an old police strategy, you know what I mean? This is what they do with activist movements. So, well, it follows that the legal snake oil salesmen start to become more alluring. They offer you a way to yeah. ignore everything that's happening. They tell you that you can take over yeah. the government. Oh, okay, can I? Oh, shit. They tell you the government has no jurisdiction over you. They tell you the law has no jurisdiction over you. And that's, that's great when you're constantly being fined for breaching restrictions and this and that. So, so these more deep fantasies. Yeah. And you can't play by the rules. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, you get to make up the rules. I know you've had Rob Sudi as a guest on the uh, on the podcast before, and as Rob says, you know, it's, a, it's an incredibly powerful thing. You know, it's, it's an incredibly enabling Yeah. I was going to bring that up. It's from the video. Yeah, yeah. and enabling and power. You feel 10 feet tall, I think he said. Yeah, yeah. You know, Rob actually yeah. said to me another that I didn't ha have the, the time to include in either of the videos in which he said that he was telling all of his mates at the time when he first became kind of soft-set back when he did, was he was saying, like, to all of his mates who were getting pulled over on weed charges and what have you, you know, like with a bit of weed in the car. He was like, yeah. tell them next time it's my weed. Because, you know, as far as he's concerned, he was like this independent Sovereign oh, being. yeah, so yeah. I'll take the bullet for you. Yeah, he's like, it doesn't yeah. matter to me. It wouldn't matter to you. You're just a, you know, P 
pee ah. on, you know what I mean? But I'm a sovereign man. I, I, they, I've entered it. They're in contract with me, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, he's, he's yeah, acting that's like it. a foreign dignitary all of his own, you know what I mean? Like, he's a fascinating guy. If anyone hasn't, uh, check out the Free Man Delusion and, and sign up. Because it's it's worth it. It's go through, have a look, and at the end of it, you you will know all you've ever needed to know, which is probably more than anyone needs to know about subsets and the you know sort of organized pseudo legal commercial argument space. It's just cooked. Here's the thing: what I value about someone like Rob, and what I'm starting to value over the years about my own longevity in this space. Longevity is a blessing all unto itself because yeah. I remember cookers. <laughs> or whatever you want to call them. I remember these people from their previous iterations. Yes. You know, I remember yes. someone pops up and you're like, and I've got a network of other people who've been around for a long time too, and we'll look at someone and be like, I remember you from yeah, four yeah. years ago, you fucking scumbag. You were yeah. sucking off Nazis, you know, yeah. and you can you can dig that up. And that yeah. longevity and having paid attention to something for a long time starts to become a blessing unto itself. And what I like, I mean, Rob Sudi's Free Man Delusion blog is incredible. It's very chaotic, like not chaotic, yeah, well, but it is yeah. all arranged, but it's just a hell of a lot of content on there. It's so much content. But what's so valuable is that he's been around for long enough that he's been having arguments with these the, the the founding father parasites of, like, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah, that's it, shit, yeah. illegal shit in Australia. He's been having arguments with them on Facebook since Goes they started. Long, you know right. what I mean? Like yeah, that yeah, history it, yeah. is really, really important because as we know, the great tragedy, and you don't get this so much now because everyone's a fucking live streamer in 2022 and you see yeah. you've got all these, like, uh, anti-lockdown movement watching accounts that just clip and then upload everything to Twitter. So nothing gets missed. But I tell you one of the great tragedies is like for me i look back at the patriot movement well i'd love to i was around for that time i'd love to be able to tell people the story of sort of what happened from a left perspective or some of the stories that i was you know partial to there but the videos are very hard to find they fucking disappear because all these racists lose their accounts you know what i mean and they lose them yeah they do they get nuked I had that recently. It was a real pain in the ass. I was trying to find something and I just couldn't. It's yeah. a shame, isn't it? Yeah. So you realise it's a shame once they're gone. And so I think um, people who've just got that longevity and are telling stories over a long time, you start to really value them because yeah. without those efforts of, say, Rob there, well, you know, none of us would be able to tell the story of early soft stuff in Australia. Sometimes they tell the story themselves. This interesting thing that I pulled up, which is the parents of questions, guys, they're backed by a charity which was doing the farmer grift. Oh, really? So, you know. Like the, yeah, oh, yeah. So basically what they've got is they've got this whole uh, give a 50 to a mate thing or something yeah. like that. And they have to be very transparent because they are a registered charity. And basically what they did is they took a whole bunch of money and they said that what they did is they made outreach programs and some kind of educational curriculum or something. It's total horseshit. I can't see any evidence of anything they've done. They just took tens of thousands of dollars in the name of the farmers, you know, getting the real milk that tastes like real milk. Mm. And uh, just keeping the cash. That's what I'm seeing. I mean, I don't want to go defo on that because maybe they did do something, but I can't just see. Just say allegedly topic. three times and you'll be all right. Allegedly, allegedly, <laughs> yeah. allegedly. Allegedly, yeah. allegedly. But like realistically, when it comes down to it, you see the farmer grift and you think, okay, the farmers need our help because they're struggling because of uh, you know, unprecedented drought. I'll give them 50 bucks to get by, cash in the pocket. And then you see the situation where you've got people who are experiencing a different kind of desperation, which is they think that the government is trying 
trying to inject their child with liquid autism or something. Yeah. And do you just take their money? Yeah, well now there's all now there's all the people who say, you know, that the government is actually full of pedos and that Skymo is a pedo and so donate to our, you know, this oh, yeah. group or that group or the other and we'll help this fight against this. You know, it's increasingly soft its you know, legal informed fight against the government to depose yeah. all of these institutional pedophiles. Who are to literally demolish yeah, them? Yeah, who are whoever we make up. You know what I mean. So I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah what's, it's, it's like that's that to me is a logical step along the process of being tasteless over real populist issues. You know what I mean? I mean maybe a few years ago yeah. you were doing the farmers thing, and now you just pretend that you care about kids. You know, like. <laughs> Gotta save the kids, man. Like, what are you like, pedos? Are you supporting pedos? Is that what's wrong? Oh my god, I had no idea you were a pedo protector. Yeah. That is disgusting. Yeah. That is disgusting. Because unless you support Bozy, you basically love pedos. Why do you love I pedos? Know. You just you are a disgrace. Absolute I mean, what a fan, great, great fan you talk of this pedos. Yeah. As well. <laughs> It's just fuck off. I mean, like, of course, Pedro is the greatest evil. And one of the great things of having Jack as co-host, he actually has worked in this space. He's written a book on it. He's worked with a cop. He's He was so close to that Royal Commission uh, on child sex offending institutions. Uh, so, you know, if you want to question our chops on, the, on, on, on pedophiles, uh, I mean, he's a published author on the topic. So, like, he's sort of got a bit of a, a shield Did he that. write something but, about the Woods Royal Commission? Um, no, so it was Unholy Trinity is the book that he wrote um, with a cop named Dennis Ryan who basically got chased out of Ballarat by the um, this sort of, uh, sort of cartel of the Catholic Church and police who were – actual pedophile protectors i mean literal pedophile protectors Incredible. and they'd move these people like john day ridsdale all these guys just move them around parishes oh. but when this one cop dennis ryan said no nah, enough is enough this isn't okay we got chased out of the police force incredible incredible yeah oh, there's a there's there's a whole story available at all good bookshops i'm sure but mm. uh but yeah, it's it's quite it's quite a story. And he got a, a payout a little while ago and a bit of an apology from Dan Andrews, okay. um, which was really really nice. And we don't know how much it was, but it got him a place to live. But the guy was living on the skin of his ass uh, because he had his life ruined by this mafia of the Catholic Church and pedos. Now, actual pedophile enablers, horrendous. One thing that I'll just say quickly: these guys don't talk about that because it's not as fun as this John Grisham novel or whatever the fuck you want yeah. to call it of pedophiles in parliament, Satan's in this house, we're going to remove him with a Qantas pilot. I mean, like, it's just more exciting. Well, so I'm, you know, so I'm, I, I, I wrote my last article for Independent Australia was about this subject of what I call pedophile fantasists. You know, I think it's an yeah. appropriate term it's for people one. who are in the, 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 the industry. <laughs> In the pursuit of yeah. making up pedophiles to suit their political ends, you yeah. know, or to suit their fantasy narrative. Yeah, it's pedophile fan fiction, really. And so ever since I wrote that, and in fact, I'm doing my video, my next video will be on that same subject because um, I think it deserves a video treatment too. Yeah, it does, yeah. You know, there's a, there, there's an interesting recent history of context that you can draw upon, like Senator Bill Heffernan's uh, now notorious 2015 speech to a Senate estimates hearing in which he talked about a, a yep. suppressed list of 28 pedophiles. List, some sort yep. of a document. Here's the crucial bit. We don't know what sort of a document yeah. it was. And we know that it, had the, that it was signed off. We don't actually specifically know what that means either, uh, by a QC no. who was part of a Woods Royal Commission into New South Wales police corruption uh, in, I think, the 1980s or the 1990s. So, yeah, so that existed, but we don't know what sort of document it was, right? So that 
provides, but that that speech by this guy, which had no more context on it and which refers to a suppressed document that cannot be aired out because it's been suppressed for some reason, became a clarion yeah. call to conspiracists ever since then. And this is all way before the pandemic. So, you know, it was, it was actually in yeah. hindsight it was bound to be that the sizable legion of followers globally for that kind of narrative were eventually going to start influencing just drawn yeah, to having it. their say yeah. in the conspiracist narrative of the anti-lockdown movement. Well, it's so beautifully vague. You can just make choose your own adventure. Like anything in this conspiratorial movement, once you get some sort of, you know, blank canvas, you can then attach anything you want to it. 28 names and you can make them up. They have. The incredible have. thing is that there's this incredible video and I, this is one of the core reasons I want to like do a video treatment for this is because of this incredible little clip and it's Velvet Revolution who are these kind of like group of soft sit style boomers. They're like all having a midlife they really crisis. They're like women yeah, and yeah, men yeah. in their 50s who are, you know, they're, there's women going through menopause and men having midlife crises and if they had the money, they'd be buying like a little red sports car, but they don't. So instead, <laughs> they get their- Yeah, the divorce took the yeah, money. Yeah, they're, their, their, they're regressing by way of threatening to hang the government. This is, this is what yeah. it's like. And hassling pharmacists and schools and shit with letters. Yeah, exactly. That being said, the Australia Project does a lot of that. But, you know, that's that's the sort of thing, you know, putting letters on doors saying, we're going to hang you at some point, just casually saying, but hey, look, mm. you know, if you give up, I guess we can be yeah, friends. Yeah, exactly. So we've got – so they are touring around whilst they keep going to police stations to tell them they're about to arrest Scott Morrison and yada, yada, yada. They yeah. have a list on a placard – of the 28, of Bill Heffernan's yeah. 28. Yeah, they do, yeah. Um, and it, the, the only problem is it's got 30 names on it. Yeah. <laughs> That's very good. They got so excited about making up pedos that they had to, they got to put more in. You That's know, when you get, funny. you know, when you just get into the fucking just, rhythm yeah, of making follow, up yeah. pedos and you're like, fucking Bob Hawk, Paul Keating, John Howard, you know, and you just can't stop. You know, you got to just start making up more. But you, you, know? you can't erase any of them. You know, that you get you get really used to them, and then you get to thirty, and you think, oh shit, I got a cull to. Oh, but I can't pick which ones. I no, I got yeah. I got to leave them. I just hope no one notices. Can't take Hawk out. I think Jackie <laughs> Weaver was one of them, which is um, she's a bit of a friend of the podcast, and that's a very interesting move. Like Jackie Weaver, why? A lot of them actually come from allegations by. Uh, uh, a notorious uh, a pedophile fantasist of global significance, which is Fiona Barnett. Ah, uh, yes. And, and so that's why some of the ones that seem odd and like celebs of yesteryear and, you know, people who are like, why are you there now? It's because when Fiona Barnett was making up pedos, yeah. They were her people. They were her sort of thing. She'd seen Don's party a few times. Yeah, so she's got I mean, she's got some great stories, you know what I she mean, about would. her. Yeah. She's been she's been to a Satanist Halloween party before and Ivan Malat was there. Amazing. <laughs> Wasn't Richard Nixon involved somewhere as well? Yeah. Nixon Amazing. actually Nixon abused her at Bohemian Grove. You know, yeah, that's Alex right. Alex Jones fan. Look, here's the thing. Here's the thing. But uh, lest I seem like I find the subject of child abuse, whether they be made up allegations or otherwise, lest I seem like I think they're funny. Hell no, I don't actually. What I find, if I'm laughing at anything, just to be extremely clear on this, it's the way that these people gain capital from turning experiences of abuse into all-star cast satanic horror movie blockbusters. 
you know, and that's what they're doing. It turns into a farce. You know, in Fiona Barnett's case, every one of her stories involved being pimped out by her family. Now, you know yeah, what I okay. reckon? I reckon that Fiona Barnett was probably had a, a horrendous childhood, probably yeah. riddled with abuse of some sort at the hands of that Which family. Which is awful. You know what I mean? Because that's the tragic reality of child abuse in Australia. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there's a history of institutional child abuse, people in girls' and boys' homes, Catholic priests, you yeah. know, police possibly, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know who's on that list or how much veracity of his do is, you know, like that kind of yeah. thing. Yes, there's a terrible reality. But the... The reality of child abuse in this country is that the vast majority of it, and indeed all around the world, happens in the yep. home. Oh, yeah. The, the close people, yeah. Yeah, it's someone's dad or their uncle or their family friend yep. or their auntie. You know, it's it's yep. it's someone that they know. And that's probably the tragic reality of what happened to Fiona Barnett. But how is it that Fiona Barnett got famous around the world? Not by saying that her family were abusive to her. No, it's by saying that Richard Nixon was abusive towards her. And you finally get the attention, which is kind of what you need, because you're craving this idea of validation for your suffering. Yeah, and that's where the pedophile fantasy stuff comes from. Yeah, yeah, 100%, But it's also, 100%. like, it's exciting as well in a way because, you know, when you have that pedophile fantasy thing, there's no way that you're wrong because, okay, you might get the wrong person, but there's no way you're ideologically wrong. When it comes to pedophilia, yeah. there's no ambiguity. It is objectively bad, and this makes us such a great good versus evil thing, and this is the stuff that people like... Bosey and those sort of like, you know, dictator types can really pick up on. And of course, it's the basis of a lot of the sort of the QAnon movement, which is, you know, like yeah. you know, the children in the tunnels and that sort of stuff. And I just feel 100%. like almost like as if, you know, the QAnon movement, what they've done in the States is they've created this children in tunnels, the elites of pedos, all that sort of stuff years ago. And maybe we're catching up to that. Maybe we're just like retro America that hasn't quite got to the point, you know, like, you know, we're still on tapes. We haven't gone to compact discs yet. And we're in that transition. No, but this is where I would dispute. I have to disagree respectfully, Good. mind I you. I want you very to respectfully. I don't want this. I don't want this. <laughs> and what, but only the only bit that I'm disputing is that A, the QAnon label and B, that we don't have a rich and ha uh, ample history of our own pedophile fantasy enabling. And, and and what I mean by that is that we've talked about Fiona Barnett. Yep. We've talked about Senator Bill Heffernan. All yep. that shit happened way before QAnon. Yeah, yeah. And all of that shit actually got a global audience of pedophile yeah. mad, pedophile yep. fantasists all excited since way before QAnon ever existed. And and indeed, the first documentary, Fall of the Cabal, which was, I, I swear, a lot of people right now, even people that know a bit about QAnon, might not know about Fall of the Cabal so much. It was this absolutely so. fucking interminable 10-part series, it's very which funny. is only available. On, it's very, it's really bad. Like, I love her voice. Her accent is gorgeous. People go, look at this documentary. I'm like, are you a fucking <laughs> moron? Is this what you think? Go load up the ABC or something, any channel you want. Look at an actual documentary and then yeah. look at Fall of the Cabal. Can you see the difference in production It's values. very funny, though. All the meme backgrounds where it's like, oh, my God, think about this. And then, like, there's, a, like, a squirrel with, a, like, a nut eating it, like, looking shocked. And, like, it was it's oh great. Oh, my God. It's amazing. Yeah. It's pure boomer fuel. Yeah, it's boomer fuel. You, you have to have a very uncritical, yeah, yeah, frame of reference to really absorb yeah. that. But here's the thing. It, the proof's in the pudding. And actually, Fall of the Gabal back in when it came out, and that was years ago. It was earlier Q and on stuff. And it red-pilled. And Q pilled so many people. Shit loads of people. So many. Yeah. 
Yeah, My and it was, God, and so then many. later on there became out far better quality ones like Out of Shadows, which is a you know produced by this ex Hollywood stunt guy, you know, better yeah, documentaries yeah. that, that, that fulfilled this appetite for for better quality stuff. But Fall yeah. of the Cabal was the first big one, and that mentions Fiona Barnett. Does it? Yes, it does. You know, because she remember. was already famous. She's an old conspiracist war horse, and all I mean to say is that QAnon itself was only a late heir to the whole satanic panic stuff. Yep. Uh, which is a late heir to the whole, uh, well, you know, a v- variety of conspiracies around pedophiles drinking your children's blood actually date back yeah. to the old anti-Semitic goes, thing yeah. about Jewish blood, blood libel. libel, which is yeah. the oldest one of a lot of those, you yeah. know, no no accident there. And these things have a huge history and pedophile sort of hunting has its own, like rabble yeah, rousing. Yeah, it does. Ancestry, all of its own. The show with um, where the guy Chris turns Hansen. up to the yeah, Chris Hansen, uh, how to um, to catch a predator. To catch a predator, that's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, and uh, yeah, that was definitely before QAnon. And God, that was some dark shit. Yes, dude. And there's actually a really interesting history there with to catch a predator and how that led to a whole generation of people trying to mimic the activities in that show. Yeah, some of whom, and then some of them getting it all wrong and actually effectively causing pedophiles that they trawled for online to walk free rather than... Yeah, wow, because shit evidence and sort of Yeah, stuff. so since yeah. the 2000s when To Catch a Predator came, basically you had the the, ubi- the increasing ubiquity of the internet and what what the modern era does like with a very atomized society, I think, and, and also with people being very... Uh, okay, so we're, we're all very... We're very online... And we're very caught up with our increasingly casualised workforces is constantly scrambling under, you know, modern-day like capitalism <laughs> to try and make money. So we don't get Just so much time to work in communities. We're all living yeah. in rentals, so we're constantly being shuffled about from low-income suburb to low-income suburb. So yeah. that means, and this is my view here, this is my sort of political framework here, that we don't have time to forge big, proper communities so much. I used to live in a community years and years and years ago on the Northern Beaches and I tell you what, it just mm-hmm. erodes because no one can afford to live there anymore. The only exactly, people who can afford bro. to live there are people from Vaucluse. Exactly, bro. So for so many people in the modern world, that is the modern day experience. And so I think, and this is, I've read some academic stuff to back this up. I'll be talking about yeah. this in the upcoming video about pedophile oh, nice. fantasy stuff. Community, locational communities, geographic communities are harder to forge. So what do people do instead? Well, they form issues-based communities. And yeah. that's no surprise to anyone thinking about the modern age, right? But now the whole pedophile thing offers a modern, a, a very easy Agreed, yeah, common enemy. It's very agreeable. Nobody likes pedos. Nobody likes pedos. This is my big, my big revelation for this chat is that nobody, nobody, likes nobody. I mean, even pedophiles you don't like pedophiles. To hear this. Like, even they hate themselves. <laughs> I mean, like you know, it's it's just an yeah. unpopular sector of the community. It's, they're not, they're not, they're not rating well. You know what I mean? They're no, not rating. No, they're, not. they're not doing well in the old ratings. When it comes down to it, one of the things that I think is an interesting thing that we talk about a lot, but doesn't get put into great detail because you are someone who has a long history of knowing Nazis well. Yeah, unfortunately. And yes, yes, I the do. The way in which yep. the Nazis have just swarmed into this freedom movement, whether it be because they genuinely are sort of brainless libertarians who actually do care about mandates and whatnot, all the more likely thing are the fact that they're looking for gullible rubes that they can, you know, shuffle towards a sort of Holocaust denying or just general sort of the Jews are the problem type mindset, you know, bringing the Jewish question in casually at rallies and in telegram groups and things like this. How are you seeing this play Mm. out? Because like I've, I've been looking at this, um, 
I've seen this sort of influence their presence and stuff like that. But I'm seeing this from a bit of a sort of like a, a, a new perspective where I sit there and go, oh, wow, that's Blair Cottrell at a rally. But you see the guy next to him. You see the guy who's mm. in the crowd that no one sees. You go, ah, oh, yeah, that's Stefan. You know, like I don't see those guys. Like what are you – how are you seeing yeah. this? I've always seen – you know, I actually I, – I do like to say to people sometimes that I think it goes both ways and I have seen behind-the-scenes conversations from Nazis as well who have been frustrated at the whole kind of – you can imagine how comfortable the white supremacists must have felt say, at the end of last year when they were all beginning to, like, race shift and pretend to be Aboriginals yeah. and, and crashing the whole parliament house. <laughs> it goes both ways. This is a hard-to-tame beast because they're also obsessed with fame and with, like, pretending to be everyone yeah. and, and, and chasing clout and having this constant rotating cast of influences. And it's a real delight to me to see that the Nazis can often get very angry with that is good. at the moment as that well. That is a treat. And I think we need to remember that because uh, we need to not hand them free points yeah. over things. They like to be handed free points over yeah. things, but um, they're, not, they're not having the easiest time of no. it either, and I think that's fine. It'd be funny them getting frustrated by idiot cookers too. They're like, ah, oh, fuck, man. Like, i got all these fucking anti-vaxxers and, like, they want to come to a meeting, but... They're fucking idiots, man. I'm just, I'm not sure if they really quite get the whole connection between Jewish bankers and the end of the world. I just, yeah. I'm mean, going to keep on eating all the snacks, but then picking their noses. Like, I'm just, <laughs> I can't handle these guys, man. Like, who the fuck did we recruit? Maybe we made a terrible mistake here. They get really, and I have seen convos from Nazis getting really fucking frustrated, and you can't share them just, you know, sometimes. Unfortunately, I would have, I could. But, <laughs> you know, you, you can't. But like really funny yeah, stuff, you yeah, know yeah. what I mean? Like just really is. delightful to see them getting angry because like they'll do like a you know they'll, they'll try and do a smoking ceremony or something. Yeah. Like, Fuck it, fucking no, you know what I mean? Like, you can see how if you were around for the height of the United Patriots Front or something like that, how this whole like the old Parliament House stuff would really piss them off. You know what I mean? That's not like that. They're not, they're not there for no, that shit. You know it, what it I doesn't mean? Work. But. But I'm just saying that to say that it goes both ways, yeah, which is funny. Which is funny. And yeah, and it, we, we need, you know, because there's, there's a lot of very reductive discourse that says that the uh, anti-lockdown movement is fundamentally far right. Well, no, I, I have no. always said that it's fundamentally conspiracist. Yeah. And I don't think, I think that often pans out as far right, but not always. Yeah. In fact, it usually pans out as really ideologically vague and malleable. It does, yeah. You know what I mean? So it actually becomes anyone's game. It's just the problem is, is that someone like myself or a lot of other, you know, principled lefties I know will tend to go, well, you're hanging out with fucking Nazis, so I don't really consider this movement safe or welcoming yeah, for, yeah, yeah. for- More for, fickle. Like, I literally don't. Like, I'm not going to send anti-fascists into a rally with Blair Cottrell. This would do a bit of community outreach. No. That shit's dangerous. You know what I mean? Like, And they should know that, and they should have some self-respect and police. But as, as we all know by now, they no, don't. They don't give no. a shit. So, so, but the main practice of Nazis since day one has been being in chats, red-pilling people yeah. one by one. Yeah. And if you look at any ex-left person who suddenly starts a spout, or ex-broadly left person who starts a sp after a year or two mysteriously spouting what looks like some quite white supremacist stuff, I guarantee you they were at some point the pet project of an individual Nazi. Yeah, and these are losers who spend eight hours a day online yeah. in Telegram groups and have done since 
March 2020. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every day. Just getting vulnerable people. Yes, doing bespoke. Bespoke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tailored red pilling of individuals one by yeah. one. You have to be pretty dedicated to the cause if you like that. But this is the main and the own, the strength of, of, of certain white supremacists, their absolute dedication to one by one the process of red pilling people. I'll give you a high profile example. Pete Evans was a specific Nazi's project. You reckon? Oh, that's really interesting because that makes so much more sense. No, I know. You know this. I know he was. Really? Yeah, I promise Fuck you. Fuck me. Yeah, that's why this is no coincidence that he started. When, when you... We knew this since early. This is headline news, mate. It actually, it did come out. I don't think it caught on like wildfire. There was like one article on it. You know, I, I don't I don't think it. Yeah. So from March or April 2020, he was a specific person's project who managed to get out to him and, and spent copious amounts of time in him. And, and, and by the time it came to the whole posting of the black sun or the sun and yeah. the artsy symbol, well, you know, that, that was the, the, the visible element that then led to him getting a little bit, he was starting to lose his opportunities and what have you by virtue of it. But he was a specific person's project. And I would say to you that if you see anyone like that who suddenly sort of seems to have this turn, not just towards ambient right wing or conspiracist politics, but towards that kind of Nazi stuff, or watch Europa, yeah, know, that, that fun. Nazi documentary kind of quite, um, you know, anything like that. There is someone lingering behind them somewhere in a direct DM, yeah, Telegram chat, something like that, who has been talking to them and spending a lot of time and effort on them because that was the thing. Like, yeah, that was that was the byline of the Pete Evans thing, which is that he was saying you should look into the real history of Germany. Clearly, yep. what he said, the real history of Germany, he meant the Holocaust was faked. He did. It was obvious. It's exactly but what he But the did. idea that someone's in his <laughs> ear telling him that is one of those things that I guess yeah. now you say it, it makes so much sense, but hearing that on face value. There always is. Uh, all of these people who do it, there's always someone in their ear. Interesting. And, you know, whenever you find a channel – uh, I mean, I've been seeing this since 2020. You know, you 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 were mentioning earlier that you've seen chats like you know, like uh, yeah, and Dave O'Neggs. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's full so of Nazis, full of Nazis, because they see that as being a gullible yeah. set of rubes. I mean, if you listen to Dave O'Neggs, you're an idiot, right? You are an impressionable moron, and you are absolutely just waiting to be pilled. And like, clearly, in in the chat, I've got a whole bunch of screenshots and things, but I won't go into the boring details. Basically, people saying you should watch Europa, which, as you mentioned, yeah, that's the Holocaust denying documentary that goes out a million hours, but outlines the idea that the Jews faked the Holocaust for victim status so they could get Israel and a whole yeah. bunch of, you know, basically, you know, land and money posturing. And people are in there and they're going, oh, wow, okay, yeah, that's interesting. Oh, yeah, no, I watched that a while ago. One person literally said, Hitler wasn't such a bad guy and then detailed how her mm. grandfather fought the Nazis and that he was wrong to do so. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, yeah, that's the big take, you know. There's a, there's a, there's a you know, if you... <laughs> There's a great video, or ten probably, but there's just one that comes to mind of like Tom Searle talking about the ancestral debt oh. that white Australians owe back to Adolf Hitler Amazing. because their ancestors fought. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. We were all we were all duped by the Jews. They are just so convincing and funny too. They're so funny too. It's very hard. Like Fuck off. It's very hard. They're in the entertainment and the media. <laughs> yeah, so um, 
But Dave O'Neggs, yeah, I mean, Dave O'Neggs is actually – actually, this is an interesting conversation. We were talking about pedophile fantasist stuff before. He was one of the people who came into my comments on my Instagram after my last article and was like, excuse me, my sister was abused. Very tragic, that is obviously, really you know, sad, what yeah. you're telling me. My sister was abused and we had a terrible time with the police trying to give her acknowledgement. So – you know, are you doubting that there's a parliamentary suppression order? Well, yeah. And I said, hang on, Dave, I'm not doubting there's a suppression order. I don't know what the contents of it are, but I'm not doubting it. And it's I'm very sorry about what happened to your sister. However, are you telling me that making up pedos helps what happened to your sister? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, he didn't answer that, right. but he went back and he's like, oh, you know, you need to look into the suppression order and stuff. And I said, I don't actually because I'm not talking about the suppression order. If I talk about Bill Heffernan and his fucking 28 people and his fucking suppression order that none of us know anything about, well, okay, that's a good bit of context. That's a, that tells the story of how all these cookers came to find out about these 28 people. So then we know the context. But, again, I ask you, does your sister, Dave, or indeed any child affected by real-world child abuse, do they get helped if I make up a list of 30 pedophiles? Yeah. Is, is that assisted? But he didn't respond to that because he doesn't. No. He, didn't, he just shut up. Well, that's where the cognitive dissonance I mean. comes in. Well, you know, I mean, the only thing I would say about David Neves is that before he before the anti-lockdown movement began, you know, I, I did a bit of a scan because, as you know, I've been doing content about the anti-lockdown movement since the start. The, well, the beginning. Yeah. And... I did a bit of a scan of the very first wave anti-lockdown influencers, and they included David Eggs. He was around from the beginning. Yep. David Eggs, Fanos Panagides. Yep. Uh, I can't remember all the rest of their names right now. Some of them are still around. Some know. of them have disappeared. Yep. What The interesting thing I found was that all of them, I mean all of them bar one actually, it was Craig Cole, all of them bar one used to, before the pandemic, at least at one point in their lives, do MLM. Oh, of course. As in, they were all MLM resellers, of course they and are. I thought uh, I had this real lightning, lightning, light bulb moment when I yeah. saw that because I'd just been. I was listening to that. There's a great MLM podcast called The Dream. It's great, you know, great talking the story about MLMs. It's great. It's excellent. The season two sucks, but season one is amazing. It's amazing, yeah. And so I looked into that, and I, I thought long and hard about that, and I thought, well, MLM actually gives you all the tools you need yeah. to be a successful anti-lockdown influencer because it teaches you to, well, make shit up for one, yeah. but also to do it without any scruples yep. to harvest your real-world uh, connection, sell them all these pipe dreams. Super culty stuff. Yeah, to do that and to not have any qualms about it, you know what I mean, yeah. because there's a higher end Keep there. the haters out because they hate your success, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, That's cult. Yeah, that's so, cult. Again, and that's the only thing I find remarkable about Dave O'Neill, so I just thought I'd include that in there. I think it's very interesting. Like. And if you look at Rafael Fernandez, who is clearly just an MLM grifter in the making. Yes. Interesting thing That's recently. another one. That's another one. Thank you for, for reminding me of that. He's Big another time. one. Yep. And, like, Lance discovered that he actually comes from quite a bit of cash. Does he? Yeah. It's a re- recent thing. Mm. Um, uh, might be worth looking on Twitter just in Lance's timeline. Um, he's found that um, old Raph's got a bit of a silver spoon in his mouth. Does he? Oh, yeah. Okay. He's got that little sort yeah. of working class vibe about him that he's just there to help everyone with his shungite fucking lamps or whatever. He's always had a sales pitch. He's always yeah. had a sales pitch throughout the 
past two years, and I've noticed that it's actually changed a lot. But there's always yeah. been a sales pitch. He's very, um, he's very, he's always been very minded towards commodifying the movement. But I, then again, if you look at his pre-pandemic history, it was all about just trying to do little business angles and stuff as well. You know, so yeah. Let's go to you know the uh, you know the sort of final lap here, which is that where to from here? Like, where is the movement going? Because we've got this situation where we've gone from anti-vaxxed, anti-lockdown. Now it's the pedophile protectors and this general sort of like, you know, we're going to install Bozy or we're going to, you know, we're, we're going to cheat the, the you know, the legal system and somehow become above the law. Um, where are we really going? Because like I put all of my chips behind the idea that what was next is we were going to be hassling parents at school pickup. We were going to be picketing primary schools and stopping kids getting vaccinated. And sure enough, they certainly don't want children to be vaccinated. They're quite upset about it. But it hasn't become the headline thing. What's happened is they're continuing to be this endless activist movement where they're continually protesting yeah. about sort of nothing but like mandates vaguely. But at the end of the day, the thing you hear the most, as we were talking before, is pedophile, pedophile. Can that last forever? Like we seem to be quite cyclical. What's next? Well, it's such an interesting question, isn't it? I believed, I agreed with you that I was really, really worried about the school incursions. And indeed there has been. There has been harassment against schools and and what have you. There has been here too. But there hasn't been as much. It hasn't been as like coordinated as I feared it might be. But, um, But what? You know, I think what happened was the, the looming federal election, actually. Yeah. You know, so the biggest – these people are rubes, you know. They're functionally yeah. rubes. Yeah. Their, biggest, <laughs> their biggest use is as someone's rube. And, so, yeah, they and are, they've yeah. always – and they've been conditioned to be rubes, actually, because their, their whole – uh, I guess structure is with this anointed influencer class telling them what to do and what to think and where to rally and such. So, so they've yeah. conditioned themselves to listen to the most bright um, and you know to chase after the biggest bright shiny thing. You know what I mean? Yes, exactly. Um, yeah. So it follows that it was inevitable that the political vulture class were going to co-opt them, and so. You know, now it's all about Canberra, 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 and that's no accident. Well, it's because they're 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 being conditioned to only think about Canberra. They they yeah. became completely co-opted by like UAP, Australia One, One Nation, and the like. All yeah. they are is like a you know, it's like a grassroots uh, campaigning mechanism for either one or like a hodgepodge of all of these parties yeah. as well. So that's the salubrious more public-facing side of the movement. So they're just political lemmings that are just walking toward an electorate and not really knowing where they're going to fall off a cliff. They are. But then again, the problem with having this slight hodgepodge trading grounds for conspiracy, you know, a conspiracist movement is the functional day-to-day of it is that everyone hops into Telegram and they trade their bullshit with each other. Yes. That's yeah. how everyone, that's that's red-pilling. That's, you know, that's becoming the conspiracy field. Yeah. yeah, that's it. They will trade their disparate conspiracies with each other. They've been doing that yeah. since the very beginning of the movement. The problem with having a movement like that for years and with like it refusing to be told what to do is that it develops its own underbelly of like less tameable ideas, and yeah. that is the pedophile thing. And you're noticing now, like, uh, there's a really, really interesting speech that Hoodie gave. No, he didn't give a speech, actually. He was just yelling at a group of them the other day. He was screaming. <laughs> he almost got to a point where he was crying. And he yeah, was saying, do that. I can't be told what to do with this pedophile thing. I'm getting threats against my life, he says, Yeah, because he didn't write it. the pedophile thing on that list into Parliament. Yeah. And this is the problem. See, that, that they've, they've, they've gone and told this movement what it wants to hear 
this influencer yeah. class. The problem is if you just tell a movement everything it wants to hear, a conspiracist movement too, mind you, eventually it's going to start telling you what you don't want to hear, I think. Yeah, Which is yeah, that like yeah, yeah. Honey and that are being told that they have to tow the pedophile thing. That doesn't yeah. have any political efficacy for UAP or no. for GAP or for no. One Nation. That's delusional, you know. That's yeah. not going to play well. That's not like going, oh, we just want to end the mandate so our bloody kids can get our bloody jobs back and I can go and yeah. catch a big bloody brim. That works. It's the Australian dream. I want to trim a grass. Bloody oath. That works well with every man Aussie stuff. Going, yeah. I just want to bloody hang the, all the pedophiles on the suppression <laughs> list in Parliament and then go and catch a big bloody prim. <laughs> that's not, it's, that's not, it's Im- that's, it's that's heavily beyond, impractical, you know? you know, like it's not as easy as whacking out the victor. Like, I mean, you know, like it's, it's, yeah. it's a gallows you got to build. It's, it's complex. Yeah, you stop sounding like Alf Stewart at that point. And yes, you start sending like a fucking lunatic. You know what I mean? <laughs> you, can, you can't do that. So I think like this interesting light and shade with the movement. There's the movement they want you to think that it is, which is all yeah. about mandates and yeah, catch a yeah. big bloody broom. And then there's the untamable aspect of the movement. Likewise, the the political vultures want this movement to just not kill anyone or burn any buildings before the federal election. Yes, exactly. Yeah. No bad optics. Yeah. yeah. But can they do that? I don't Ooh. know. I mean, they can chuck us. Clive Palmer can chuck all his money on speakers and what have you, but can he make sure that the lunatics just don't murder anyone for another few months? Been lucky oh, for a while. I mean, but I'm more interested. So, I, but I think we're going to remain in this like big spectacle thing right up until the federal election. And then, you know, I was just looking at that article before. Uh, I think UAP have spent a record amount already so far. Oh, in the lead up. It hasn't even been called yet. Yeah. Apparently they've got about, what is this? Uh, Mighty Millionaire Clive Palmer. This is from an Age article. Mighty Millionaire Clive Palmer and his UAP have gained support from 4% of the electorate Jesus. after a mammoth spending campaign over the past six months. Four percent. They have spent a filthy amount of money. Do you know this is? I saw a, I saw a video from someone a couple of weeks ago that at that point they did you know, Facebook because of the Cambridge Analytica stuff released their data on who pays for yeah, political yeah, advertising yeah. and how much. As of a couple of weeks ago, there was eight million dollars spent on Facebook uh, election advertising. Eight million dollars. Five hundred thousand of that was from other parties. Seven and a half million was from Clive Palmer. Can hell. you fucking believe that? That's, That's so r- intense, terrifying. And he hasn't even been doing the primary stuff on Facebook. He's been doing it on YouTube. So, oh, uh, I, I just think all I can speak for is this weird. They're just being used by the yeah, political vultures. Yeah. Uh, and tried for their used for their spectacle because mm-hmm. everyone stops and watches what happens in Canberra, and that's a great unpaid. Well, you know, yeah. paid to a degree, but, but you know, it's a great unpaid like advertising platform for Clive Palmer. It's cheap. You know? It's cheap. So, but what happens once the federal election occurs and all these people get dumped? Because every, every every single election that Clive Palmer's running, whether it was his previous putt party and what have you, as soon as the election happens, he doesn't give a shit anymore. It's no, not no, an no, effect. Not it's not a functional party in that way. It's so not he useful. gives up after the election. He stops yeah. uh, supporting his own candidates who get through Starts the door. Buying hotel rooms for the influencers, the whole thing. Yeah, he it will all stop there. The taps over. What's gonna happen? to the movement when they stop being supported by those political vultures who represent the light and shiny part of the movement. What I'm worried about is that 
they're going to turn really fucking nasty. Yeah, I'm thinking the same thing. More militant. People will people will peel off because it becomes less shiny, less interesting and less legitimate. But those who stay behind are the kind of guys who, you know, get the terrorist handbook off fucking, you know, off Usenet. My cons- my concern is like, you know, and if, if anything, if, if I can contribute anything like from experience with having looked at previous waves of grassroots-ish kind of far-right-ish campaigns or what have you, most of these people just reintegrate into normal life and go to having barbecues and just Yeah, exactly, yeah. And they go and make up with their families and people see they're not being weird now and they don't worry about it, you know. Yeah. The apology goes a long way. The problem is the 10% of any wave yeah. that crashes up and reaches the shore. It oh, yeah. goes up in the shore. And they're the extremists, you know, the would-be budding extremists of the future. You know, so we, we don't have a Reclaim Australia and the Patriot Movement anymore, but we did retain the Nazi wave that solidified into people like Brenton Tarrant. Yeah. Um, and yeah. he's our, he's our serial killer, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, don't, we seem to think he's, Australia seems to think he's New Zealand's one, but no, he's ours. He, oh, yeah. He's we, ours we, and he came from our uh, wave, you know, that we let we allowed to happen. Um, we here. take the good stuff, we leave the bad stuff. So, you know, we've we got a crowded house, we're keeping mm, rusty, exactly. you know, you know we, we really you pick and yeah. choose. We really pick and choose. I wish we could have Taika Waititi, but look, that seems like an overstretch. So we're just going <laughs> to, we're going to hold our own on that one. Yeah. We'll leave Jacinda yeah. as well. You guys can yeah. have that, but only begrudgingly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we we are going to, I worry about the next wave of that. And I, and I yeah. worry that the post-election circumstances where they all just get left for dead by the only vultures who ever thought they were worth manipulating Yep. Um, yep. With with money, that is. You know, uh, that's just. And there'll be a power vacuum as well. Yeah. Yeah. And who's going really to fill believe it? that? Who's going to fill I a power really vacuum? One thing that's interesting, and I think it's worth sort of covering just as a bit of a side note and all that with the power vacuum, is that recently it's come out in the Australian that Ricardo Bozzi, not named as, well, was named, but like, you know, generally speaking, is going to be done for incitement. So that's something to look out for. But Wayne Glue was done for incitement. Is he? I mean, is that, is it, do people think that? Is that a rumor? Because he what? should be. Wayne Glue or Bozzi? Bozzi, yeah. Bozzi's, Bozzi's looking like he's in, he's under, he's under the magnifying glass. But we were talking about the revolution earlier, and this is something. I think is really interesting is that Lynn Bennett's of the Velt Revolution, who's like the lead boomer of the cause, has been yeah. very quiet since King fucking Sovsit Wayne Glue was arrested in uh, in Western Australia for incitement mm. for basically trying to get people to you know, arrest McGowan, Mark McGowan. Um, yeah. That quietness speaks volumes. Once you see someone arrested like that for up for 14 years in jail and could possibly realistically spend five of them, which he doesn't have, and Bennett doesn't have a lot of time either, she's, yeah. she's real quiet now because once that sort of police intervention, not that I'm a huge fan of the idea of police intervention in these sort of spaces, but enough's enough. And when it comes down to this sort of, you know, this power vacuum, these leaders seem like they're going to get plucked out is that going to mean people are too scared to fill the vacuum or is it going to mean the vacuum actually gets flooded with shit i mean i don't know it'll be it is an interesting question i you know i very uncertain yeah yeah i i I, um i do know that the strategy that the police have always adopted of of taking out the lead spokespeople behind movements. Naturally, you know, they do it to, they've done it to, I've seen them do it left stuff and right over over the years. I've seen them do it. Of course it has efficacy. You know, of course it works. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it definitely. You, you know, they slowly, moment, yeah. they burden speakers in such legal shit, you know, that, that it just makes it harder for them to be effective. 
as continuing yeah. organisers. Yeah. What's always surprised me is given their strategy of doing that with people in movements I've watched in the past who've actually done far less wrong, was that I've always been surprised looking at these like retiree boomers, the stuff that they have they gotten away, away with saying is like, yeah. holy fucking shit. I know yeah. people who've been raided over bugger all, you know, a slightly <laughs> in- lefties have been raided over a slightly incendiary placard before. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And these people, Wang Glue has got to sit there and basically goad people into hanging politicians for yeah. fucking years. Yeah. I'm yeah. stunned by I just I naturally I, I really think that they were allowed to get away with it because they they, they weren't that no one thought they were to be taken seriously. And indeed yeah. they are armchair fantasists, but with their influence in this movement as it as it has changed and morphed and grown, well suddenly they're starting to get their taste of actually being taken seriously. Not for what Glue said before, not for fucking, you know, getting losing his property because he wouldn't pay his rates or what have you, but <laughs> taken seriously in a criminal sense what they're saying. And I do think it's interesting. I do think it will. Some of them boomer velvet revolution types, I'm not surprised to see them shutting up. I think that yeah. they were they were in a bit of a dreamy la-la. They were. They thought that they could say anything, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, they were dreamers. That was, yeah. They were definitely dreamers. They were definitely dreamers. But, you know, what? I guess what I really worry about is, yeah, post-election post stuff and what will they start doing when, you know, like you've got groups like the People's Revolution up in Queensland are basically taking cells of people together, taking these details and grabbing them in, and, and with the, the stated of intention of forming action cells with them. Yeah. And I worry about what those cells are going to be put to. What use are they going to be put to? You know what I mean? What kind of action, yeah. you know, particularly when you, you, you start, you know, after the election and what have you. I mean, well, it seems to me that a Labor government might get in. Yes. <laughs> and because they don't like SCOMO. I mean, nobody likes SCOMO, but they don't no. either, you know. And I wonder if in that chaos that, you know, Clive Palmer's interventions aside that, you know, you might actually see a Labor government. I don't know. But it looks I, like, I, yeah. Yeah. I, I wonder about what's going to happen at that point to this they movement. That's like what it. I really, really worried they, about. Once Albo know. starts getting inner west fucking craft brewery on the parliament and starts putting in some actual public housing policies, they're going to shit their fucking pants. That's what I'm thinking. But I, yeah, that's it. But I also, I, I do have to be honest, I do think that from my experience that and until they do the whole Killing someone thing or, or something like that until and touchwood. I hope that that I hope that yeah, that's we just hope a, it doesn't, yeah. a, an unfounded fear that we have. And you know, yeah. there's every chance that it doesn't pan out. I really hope. I'm not like, hoping for this to occur, but I'm telling you that the coppers aren't going to really uh, kick into gear much or give much of a shit until no. and unless they start actually, you know, mowing people down, it's really causing problems. And look, you know, we'll see what happens because it's. Your guess is as good as mine on that one. I just, you know, I like them. Anyway, you know, for me, I have a history of looking at the Nazis, okay, who I hate. I hate. (laughs) I find them the absolute scum at the bottom of the barrel. Comparatively, anti-lockdown people can be quite fun and endearing in their own stupid way. They can be cute. They're not funny, though, which is annoying. They used to be funny when they were novel. I am finding myself I'm not that entertained by them anymore. Make a funny sign and I will talk to you. But until then, fuck off. But, yeah, Yeah, smashing TVs was funny. Yeah, they were the good old days, you know, but there was a lot for me to learn back then too, you know. I was just getting new on the big wacky world of conspiracy and the like, (laughs) you know what I mean? But there was a lot to – there was a lot of fresh new stuff, you know what I mean? I was like, oh, what are these – 
EMF meters that they're holding up looking for <laughs> 5G. And oh, look, someone's literally wearing a tinfoil hat. That's how funny is that? You know what I mean? Like you- I used to love that shit when I was a kid. Loved it. I was all about that shit. Yeah. I used to like Alex Jones, for Christ's sake. Did you? Oh, yeah. I was peeled. I, I, I went on September 11, I went to school and I was saying how basically the American empire deserved to fall. People fucking hated me for it. And not surprisingly, that's really rude. I think I was probably saying things like that too. <laughs> I think I probably was as well, man. Not good, uh, not yeah. good. And then I was, you yeah. know, like it was Bush and all that sort of stuff. It was a whole process, but it's fine. Whatever. Well, it was an interesting, you know, if you look at the 9-11 conspiracy, 9-11 conspiracies were uh, strange at the time. It was like, you know, what was deemed countercultural certainly leaned a lot more left. And so I think it consequently you- a lot more left. You, you you might be inclined to find lefties, you know, a lot more people among the, the activists left more malleable who are it. a lot yeah. more partial towards a, a 9-11 yeah. conspiracy theory. And I think that's in keeping with what was deemed countercultural at the time. You know, it was a Bush yeah. administration and, you know, the, 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 the activist resistance against him was coded very left. And- Halliburton and all that sort of thing. Yeah. I tell you what, I don't like the counterculture now because the counterculture means that Milo Yiannopoulos is cool and at that point I'm out. But I think it's a very astroturfed kind yes, of counterculture. Yes, like I don't is. find it to be natural at no. all. I don't, <laughs> no. You know, if you're going to tell me that Ben Shapiro is part of the counterculture, then dude, I, dead, you I'm going to say. I would, uh, you know, and people do. They say that they online. Do. And I think to myself, I don't think you really know what a counterculture He's is. He's punk rock <laughs> to some people. Fucking yeah, but they're, they're kind of told that they're told they that are. they're punk rock repeatedly by people who were astroturfed by like by Roger Stone. hedge fund billionaires and the like, you yeah. know. And so, so they're like, so they just love it because it makes them feel cool, you know. That's it. Well, actually- look, I think we'll probably jump off on there because Jack's going to kill me for how long this is. Um, so <laughs> that was an excellent buddy yarn. I think we really explored some stuff that doesn't tend to get looked at. Uh, in the general discourse on cookers, and that is what yeah. you're good at. You always give interesting, unique sort of takes on things that come from a long background of experience, but they come from that place that understands all these things in a giant sphere, whereas some of us are kind of looking at it and still wondering what the fuck's going on. I just feel like, you know, you're you're, you're the daddy of the movement, and I really appreciate your presence because oh, it, it brings it all I together. I really appreciate that. I really appreciate that. And I also, I you know, I do like I... I realise oh, I'm always feeling that yawning gap myself in like how to assimilate everything that I think and feel about this movement, but not just about that, but about the world that we live in into a holistic kind of take. I think that's the big, the big, the big game, the big thing that we really desire to get done. And you know, like um, I do try to, I try to come out with a bit of analysis. You know what I mean? It's so, great. Um, it's great. Hearing man. that you appreciate that is really like it, it's really kind. I really appreciate it, and I appreciate everything that you do on this podcast. It's a great pod, um, and I wish there were more people contributing analysis and totally agree. To movement, you know what I mean? So good on you, listeners at home. Start your own podcast. We're doing too much heavy lifting. Please start your own podcast. We want you to inhabit this space. Bring your yep. voices because there's not enough of us because there's lots of funny stuff happening. But make it good and have a political frame of reference, please. And, like, and let's edit get, it properly. Get, and edit it properly. Don't worry about what cookers <laughs> think until you know what you think. That's yeah, my advice. That's it, yeah. Decide what you think, first of all, about the world before you then go, shit, what cookers think. I think that's, that's my, sage that's advice. That's my advice. Yeah. That is sage advice. <laughs> it was fantastic to talk to you, mate. We'll, uh, we'll speak soon. Appreciate that. Thank you. Thanks, mate. Cheers. I, I still haven't worked it out yet. And if you haven't worked it out, keep asking the question. And keep looking for the answers. Because it's irrelevant. 
Well, well, well. Craggy Pete was personally infiltrated by Nazis. Did the Nazis make him craggier? My guess is yes. And we're going to find out more about Pete and his general cragginess right now in the week in Pete Evans. It has been a huge week in Pete Evans with the heavily groomed Nazi chef throwing out 369 posts this week. That's a huge week. Yeah, that's just uh, that is that is a lot of effort. That is a lot of sharing nonsense. So Peter's been absolutely obsessed with Canada for some time now. I've said this before. This is a massive spit in the face of the Australian Canberra convoy for trucks, freedom, and cholera. I mean, what's wrong with them? What's wrong with us? Yeah. What? Why can't you just? Ah, oh, mate. Look at the locals, mate. Fucking turncoat. Burn your passport. But of course. The Canada Convoy is yesterday's news now as we all look to the invasion of Ukraine by Russian forces to see Mm -hmm. what's really happening. I mean, not the MSM. No, what's really happening. And sure, (laughs) you could explain this away as being a simple expansionist move by a vicious dictator. Yeah. Yeah, but where's the fun in that? There's no fun in that. The story is so much more exciting when you turn it into some sort of QAnon-style fantasy. And while Pete is heavily invested in the narrative that the intention of Russia invading Ukraine is simply to purge the country of deep state operatives and save the children, well, he also had the time to throw in a little bit of a foodie as well. He's an all-rounder, Joel. In between the collapse of the COVID hoax and the rolling out of another tragic war, it is still vitally important to nourish ourselves with delicious food, (laughs) to stay grounded and give our bodies the nutrients it needs. Okay, thanks, what, mate. Bodies, plural, it? Come on, Pete. You oh, there's can a do better. And what he recommends is, this is wild venison that was hunted, then minced. <laughs> I hope they killed it first. And <laughs> served with Mexican tarragon, red vein, sorrel, avocado, chili sauce, mayo, cucumber, and organic corn, tortillas, hearts, rainbows, and thumbs up. God, that is a very complex dish, Pete. You, they you just hunted do. it and then minced it. Yep. Right are you. Yeah. We, we got you cornered. Get in the mincer. He sounds a little bit like Putin going to Minsk. <laughs> anyway, that wasn't a good joke. So, of course, it takes... Oh, terrible. So, of course, it starts with some really basic takes. I mean, Pete mindlessly shares things so constantly that you can actually get a bit of a timeline of how idiots receive and process disinformation about Ukraine, which I really enjoy because the guy's so reactive. You don't miss a beat. So, firstly, Biden is a weak leader, and that's why Putin's doing it. This would never happen under Trump, who is a strong leader, who, <laughs> except for the fact that he wears diapers because he pissed himself with an Adderall addiction, <laughs> also showed a firm willingness to enter World War Three if his vanity was attacked. Because, oh, yeah, you know, he'd, he'd probably sure, live through then. it. He would have stopped this, that guy. But when we pivot, <laughs> oh boy, do we pivot, because it turns out Trump supports the war. In fact, it is oh, all no. part of the plan. These are not Pete's words. This is forwarded from an account called Patel Patriot. And it's only a small part of the post because, honestly, I'm not doing the whole thing. But (laughs) it says, if Trump was going to truly drain the swamp, he would have to tackle the corruption in Ukraine. The oligarchs have funded their own militaries in previous color revolutions, and Trump could, wouldn't be able to take them down without a fight. See, that's Uh why I have to just really say this slowly. So if Trump is going to clean up Ukraine, he would likely need boots on the ground to do it. Enter Putin. There you go. It is no secret that Putin hates Soros as he banned him in Russia long ago. There you go. And it's also no secret that Putin despised the deep state tactics of implementing color revolutions to overthrow pro-Russian leaders and install ones that would play ball with the deep state. What? It's speculated by many that Putin could be working with Trump in the fight against the deep state, and it's hard to argue with. The enemy of my enemy is my friends. I like that speculated by many. Isn't it great? Um, Isn't it great? There's so much fucking wrong with this. So much. And then the ending is, well, the ending of my selection here is, so think of the brilliance that might be taking place right now. (laughs) 
I mean, a lot of this is just gibberish. I think this guy just made a lot of this up. Yeah. And now people are sharing it across Telegram like it's fact. Yeah. It's just worked the angles and come up with that. Yep. That's it. So that was just gibberish. But you can see where this is headed, right? You yeah. know, like there's a direction we're going in. So Pete also posted a meme that claims that Nancy Pelosi, John Kerry, Joe Biden, and Mitt Romney all have one thing in common, which is their children work for Ukrainian gas companies. Uh, oh, my God. Yeah, my yeah. mind is blown. Ba-bow. Yeah. That isn't true. Okay. Sure enough, old crackpipe Hunter Biden can claim this honor, but this just helps the narrative. And why would you bother fact-checking a meme? I Googled that, and the first result was a very clear and thorough takedown of this complete piece of misinformation. <laughs> but Pete's busy Googling neo-Nazi and doesn't know how to do it's much just, else. He's I still mean, doing that. Yeah. Learn to use a computer, Pete. TAFEs are there for a reason. Just go and do a short course. So, of course, then we move into the whole the war proves COVID is fake, which is a pivot that I was both like annoyed and impressed by because it takes a bit of fucking gumption. Here's a quote. Take it away, Jack. Ain't that the fucking truth? The pandemic never existed in the first place. Have a look at the MSN today to see how many COVID stories there are compared to every day for the last two years. Jesus. It is a hoax and always has been. Was the main goal to get the public to inject an experimental pharma medicine into the majority of the population? The question is why. You already asked that question, Pete, by the way. You don't have to. (laughs) We all know it. (laughs) It's real simple. I'm sure you can find the answer to this question if you really want to. Thumbs up, hearts, rainbow. Tell you what, Google it. It's to reduce severe symptoms of COVID to prevent overflowing of hospitals and deaths. Oh, sorry, the spoiler. No, yeah. no, Pete, just go and look it up. It, it'll, it'll it'll blow your mind when you actually see the results. So, look, the, the war has ended the pandemic. No, mm. vaccines have you fucking dope. This was a pandemic. It was never meant to be fun. I know that everything in your life is meant to be fucking skate ramps and joy humps, but <laughs> the amount of resources that were poured into mitigating death during this historic event was unprecedented. But, of course, this is the absolute drivel you come up with in response to that. You are so fucking unimpressive. And on behalf of yeah. the vast majority of the planet, fuck you, Pete. Just fuck, fuck yeah. you so much. But look, Pete Evans, finish, go fuck yourself. Exactly, exactly. So to finish, the real punctuation mark in this paragraph of shit is the various different forms of I told you so memes littering his fucking <laughs> timeline. And that <laughs> is the person. one thing, like, you know, they all want to be right. So there's one about how conspiracy theorists keep on being right, you know, how conspiracy theories are just the truth in advance, blah, blah, blah. He posted one clanger, which sort of said the quiet bit out loud, a little too loud, that is, I'm not far right, I'm just right so far. No, no, no. You are far right and you're wrong about everything. The only thing that you do well is source out shitloads of cocaine. How is your septum not melted? You fucking bellend. My God. Just take a weekend off. That's Donald Trump Jr. you're talking about there, of course, Joe. Yes, it is. Yes, he is the cokehead of the family. So- the end of this is a painful look into the future. Idiots are going to be screaming, I told you I was right all along into the void while we all wonder what the fuck are they talking about? What were you right about? But echo chambers are a wonderful thing. And we're going to see a lot of very weird, smug looks from lunatics who are just baselessly claiming that despite everything they said being wrong, just everything over the <laughs> everything, past two years, everything. just everything being wrong, everything. they were somehow right all along. They are. They've been proven right all and along. And this is the thing. Despite everything that they've said being wrong. Exactly. But it's it goes to show... 
anything is possible when you lie. And yep. boy, oh boy, Pete just loves a good porky. He does indeed. He loves a bit of pork on his fork, Joel. Yes, he does. And you have been listening to the Conditional Release Program with your host, Jack the Insider and Joel Hill. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. And if you've enjoyed our bullshit, throw us a five-star review on your podcast app. Jack can be found on Twitter on at Jack the Insider and Joel at Crunchy Moses with a K. We set up a Facebook page. Just look up the Conditional Release Program. There's also a shitposting page, which is great. We share memes and things. Promoting a podcast is easier said than done. Please share this episode. Our numbers are going up. I'm not sure why. Maybe you are sharing it. Maybe you're not. If you're not, do your job. Share the goddamn podcast. We can't do it. Yeah, the Patreon is up and running. We ask listeners to consider throwing a few dollars our way. For as little as five subs a month, you'll have access to all sorts of bonus content. And if you give us enough money, you can watch us record the actual show. Backstage pass. It's totally a thing. And, of course... We promise that if we get to 1,000 patrons, we will spend the money on various EMF protection devices ranging from Shungite capes, shiny reflective singlets, foil blankets, and my favorite new smart casual wear, a suit made of air conditioning vents. I'm wearing one right now, Joel. So oh, join mate, up so at patreon.com slash the conditional release program. I really need a new outfit, and I really need the blisters to stop. Oh, yes. And finally, all feedback, tips, and death threats should be sent to the conditional release program at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you, even if it's simply to inform us that Joel is actually a Nazi who has been grooming me with Holocaust denial materials and pro-Hitler propaganda over the course of the last 18 months. Fuck, it makes so much sense now. Now, excuse me while I go have a squiz at the real history of Germany. And to see you off, here is Michael Sims of the Million March and IMOP cracking the shit smoking Joe for being too crazy. And I must say, I just love it when they get into little fights. Man, they have little is, tussles. This is what it sounds like when doves cry. Thanks, Reptilian Overlord, for this clip. This is fucked. Thanks, listeners. See you next time. See ya. Okay, so everyone's here for a different reason and with a different idea of how we're going to save the problem. This here, Joe, I love you, Joe, but it doesn't help. The virus. The media is the virus. That doesn't help. So that's all you guys want, isn't it? Yes, deaf. But this is what happens. The media is going to put on the five seconds of you being a fucking dickhead, mate. That's what's going to happen. I fucking had enough of it. Because I'm here fighting for my son and you're fucking ruining it. For my son and my job. I know many of you out there have lost your job. We're not getting it back. We're swearing at the fucking media, are we? Fighting with each other or carrying on and everyone's psyop and everyone's paid opposition and all that bullshit. We've got to stop that. We've got to unite together and we've got to build our numbers. The only way we can build the numbers is show the world we're not fucking.